Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Well, now, isn't this interesting? Um, of course, you know me, I'm texting, I'm doing you know, Facebook Messenger, I'm doing all the things I can't do during the show. Well, occasionally I do. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, I've always wondered why this isn't you know, a multi-million listener show by now. In my arrogance, I think to myself, why don't we have a million listeners? Why don't we have several million listeners? Why aren't we worldwide? And I just found out from one of my reporters that uh, we are hopelessly censored. Uh, they can put anything else on their page and lots of people see it, but uh, my show, nope, <laughs> nobody sees it. So uh, that's, that's a very, very strange uh, thing that's going on. But it, it confirms what I always know that, uh, I mean, I know my page, you know, from the thousands of people that used to check in, it's a lot less than that now, you know. Uh, and so things are, are very crazy uh, in terms of that. Anyway, let's get to Brianna right away. So Brianna Cannon, our, one of our, our newest reporters here and uh, certainly one of the highlights of my week. And so uh, good to have you on. Brianna, good morning. How are you? What's going on? Good morning. Good. Okay. So I guess this week it was my turn to ask the questions. <laughs> we, we go back and forth. You know, on all this stuff, it's it's a government inquiry, but uh, I guess there's only so many inquiries. And then I, you know, my mind goes crazy. This is what happens when you have an ADHD brain, is that there's just so many things uh, to go over. The question I'm going to be asking later, but if you want to take this on now, you can. But uh, it suddenly occurred to me yesterday. I'm thinking that I'm hearing all this red wave, red tsunami. The the conservatives are taking over. The Republican Party is going to go crazy. They're going to get so many new people. And I thought, well, why aren't they going for a two-third majority where they can actually do something? You know, as long as they're less than two-thirds, everything they do is going to get vetoed by Brandon. And so, but there was no push. In fact, I just did a, an internet search for a few minutes before the show. There's nothing on this. Nobody else is talking about this. Not one single reporter anywhere. And I'm talking worldwide, too. I mean, I did a big search, right? Nobody's talking about this. No one's even entertained the possibility. No one's even asking about it, even a little bit. So we're, as we always do, breaking some new ground here. Did that occur to you at all? Did you wonder yourself? Did uh, you know because they all say they want to reverse Brandon, but the only way to do that's a two-thirds majority, and yet there was no plan for it, no strategic analysis, no nothing. They didn't talk about. It. They didn't say, "Give us two-thirds, and we'll give you your country back." You know, that's a that's a good slogan now that I think about it. Anyway, that's what's on my mind. First thing, there's more, but um, yeah, what do you think? Um, before, I hadn't really thought much about it, you know, like everybody else in the world. But <laughs> Well, that's um, me too, yeah, until yesterday. Yeah, and your question that you had on it of, mm-hmm. like, why I thought that was happening, I think that's what you said, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not sure, but it doesn't matter. Well, that, let's ask that question. Why? why? You know, why do you think that, that they've never talked about the possibility of being able to change and reverse Brandon? I mean, I know what I think, but I'm curious what you think. So I think there's, like, a lot of them that maybe just – I mean, I don't know for, like, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But I know for others, a lot of it could be they're being paid off or they're flipping or different things like that. Oh my, aren't we cynical <laughs> this morning? I mean, he went right for the bribe. I mean, that's hysterical. It's a, yeah. So, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. 
Uh, that's that's a definitely a good reason. But who's paying them off and why? why who's, who has a vested interest in maintaining Brandon policies with the GOP that says they hate Brandon? They're independent of Brandon. You know, and, and of course, they're the other ones that put him in power. You know, it was Mike Pence and, and the, the GOP uh, establishment deep state leadership that put him in. He wouldn't be there if it wasn't for them. Democrats could only, couldn't, couldn't do it by themselves. So pay it off. What other reason do you think? And who's paying? The reason? Mm-hmm. To get their own policies that interest them in. Well, and... what are the Republican policies? You know, if you say, if I say Republican, you know, I say we Republicans, we stand for, you know, fill in the blank. Let's make it a test question because you're still in school. Republicans stand for fill in the blank. <laughs> okay. What do they stand for? Um. See, your hesitation is fascinating. Now, I know you like to think, and I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, my brain works on, on instantaneous. I'm like rocket fuel. I don't know what I have for breakfast, but it's like rocket fuel. So I'm always, you know, boom. Uh, but think about it. When, when you, I mean, this is, this is kind of sad in a way for the Republican Party that a few things don't spring to mind, which means the messaging is terrible. They're not reaching younger folks, and they're, they're totally well, blowing you know, to a generation's worth of people. The t- okay. No, go ahead. I'm trying to distinguish between like conservative and Republican because a lot of the things are similar in it, but there are some differences that mm-hmm. I uh, I haven't really distinguished at all. Okay, feel free. You want to try it now? Or you want to think about it some more? Because you're you're on a really good point. Um, I don't know the distinguishes though, <laughs> okay. but I know they're not all the same. Like. All right, let's make it easier. All right, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I know, like, um, (laughs) limited government, um, to have free enterprise and be able to um, have less government in businesses and in the economy. Mm -hmm. I know that there's protecting American soil, whether it's here or, like, an embassy American soil and American people. Well, that's fine. What you're describing is Donald Trump as opposed to Republicans. And I think there's the establishment or the deep state Republicans. You know, deep state would be running the secret shadow government, you know, outside the Constitution. The establishment would be inside the Constitution, but, you know, totally useless. Uh, and the conservatives would be either Republicans or not. And I think that uh, the distinction you make between Republicans and conservatives is absolutely valid. I think that's one of the big problems is that conservatives, you know, are the base of the party and the establishment is the leadership. And it's always been this huge schism. It's always been a, a split personality. It's, it's like, you know, schizophrenic politics. You know, it's like the, the, you've got one group one way and the other group the other way, and it's hard for the establishment to appeal to the base, and the establishment doesn't understand the base and doesn't like them anyway. <laughs> they rather they were there like the establishment. So we've got this war going on, you know, and the biggest, uh, it seems like Trump is the answer simply because he believes in things that you believe and I believe. Free enterprise, less regulation, a smaller government, a limited uh, budget, constitutional rights, and basically the components of a republic. But the establishment doesn't believe that. They believe like the Democrats, bigger and bigger government, more and more control, larger and larger budgets, and an increasing national debt. Well, that's not conservative. And yet that's what I see them doing. I don't see they may say some one thing, but they're not voting that way. And they're voting billions, what, is $100 billion to, to uh, Ukraine so far? For what? 
We could have put all our power lines underground from Texas to North Carolina for that. You know, been ready for the next hurricane. Just a thought. Yeah, that kind of brings me back to what I learned about, like, the Great Depression and, like, how it, towards the end of it, they, were, they continued the belief of, you know, going into debt and putting the entire country in debt was going to continue to help the economy of America. And I still just yeah, the, don't see that. I don't see that logic. Now, are you studying, are you studying the Depression in school by chance? Or is it something um, you're curious about? I both I did, but um, I finished that lesson. So okay. Not well, the reason I ask is uh, but yes. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm feverishly going through my computer as I'm as I'm talking to you, because I found an article not too long ago. I even looked it up myself as to why the depression was not cured by government spending. You know, they all talk about that, but it, that's not really what happened. I'm trying to think. It's in. Uh, I might have to look this up for you. But that's not the reason. Uh, and they say World War II brought us out of it. Well, initially, government spending gets you going, but it causes massive inflation later on. I think the only reason we didn't have the massive inflation is because after World War II, we had the only factories and we had the consumer revolution, and people were spending money, and people were around the world were buying American goods because we had the only factories that weren't bombed out. But there is a there's an article I saw not too long ago on why the depression was not cured by government spending. I'm going to have to take a look for it. Anyway, let's do that another time. But, um, but that's the common belief. And that's the belief they want you to have. Let me look it up right now. Let's just see if I can find it real fast. This is interesting. So the depression, instant live radio, was not, was not stopped. Yes. Government spending. It's a really great uh, place to look. Um, the American Institute for Economic uh, research, the AIER, and the other one is the Mises organization. Have you ever, I don't know if you've heard of them. Uh, there was a, Ludwig von Mises was an Austrian economist. Have you, heard of, have you ever heard of the Austrian School of Economics? He was one of the proponents of that. Um, no, I have not heard of that. Okay. So it's a great story. I'll, I'll get you that after the show. Uh, so I've got a bunch of things here. You know. Uh, oh, we got critters. I hear the critters now. Yeah, actually, there's a bunch of articles here. Oh, just pull up. Uh, go ahead. That's ice. Oh, it's ice. In the background. Okay. So, so here's an article yeah. from Reason, just real quickly. Mm-hmm. World War II spending did not end the Great Depression. So there's a bunch of articles on this. We go over this later. Let's, uh, let's cover some of our other issues. Uh, I gave you a bunch of things uh, to think about at the last minute. <laughs> we just got to want to go around here. Uh, any any uh, of the issues that uh, we talked uh, that I sent you particularly, uh, you know, grabbed your interest? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Oh, yeah. Well, I was just saying, any of the issues that we talked about or that I, the, the, I emailed, any of those grab your interest? Because i got them right in front of me here. So um, i got a bunch of oh, questions. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay. Which, which one's, uh, which one's uh, more ice back there crackling away? <laughs> this is funny. So I love live radio. We get background noise. We don't care. Dogs, um, ice, birds chirping in the trees. We don't care. We just keep going. Okay, I'm going to look to, oh, okay. the San Francisco voting age. Yeah, let's talk about so, that. So you're of that age, which is kind of interesting, or at least, well, until your birthday. <laughs> but, um, you know, as someone that uh, um, is, you know, 
16, which is what they talked about as, as the voting age, would you feel competent to vote at this particular point? Or if you, you might, but would you feel that your age group is competent to vote? And why do you think San Francisco wanted to lower the voting age? So there's an, there's different arguments around this. I think there's some of like competency of like society and stuff, but I think overall the, the, best answer to this is just simple logic. You know, only actual American adult citizens should vote, which should be anybody 18 or older, mm-hmm. which be just like the logical solution to it. And whenever you play into factors about like society and um, if people think that they can vote and, and they understand it and stuff like that, there's a lot of different Sides to it, and it becomes like a a different argument of sixteen into an argument of well, which age at that point? You know, it's like which age is best, and it gets mm-hmm. floated around a lot more. It becomes more subjective to everything. But you can drive at sixteen, so if you if you're you know mature enough to handle a car, although the driving record of young folks is pretty bad, but uh, you know a lot of things that you know yeah. when you're young you know i mean i was I was actually flying airplanes at sixteen, I soloed on my sixteenth well actually a week after my sixteenth birthday, uh, but I was unusual <laughs> you know the, most 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 of my friends were not doing that um but uh, the law says that i mean the f a says at sixteen you can solo at fourteen you can solo a glider, so it's kind of interesting, but you can't drink until you're twenty one so we have all these different ages. Now, the age of, of maturity, majority, the age of adulthood, they say, is 18. You can get married, sign contracts, you know, do whatever you want, um, you know, within the law. But I mean, just, but you're an, you're an adult, you can make adult decisions. However, they said, you know, San Francisco wanted to lower the voting age to 16, you know, same age that you can solo an airplane and drive a car, which is interesting. Um, so how does, that, how does that strike you? 14 for gliders, you know, 16 for cars and airplanes. Uh, and possibly voting if, if California had their way, 18 for age of maturity uh, or adulthood, and 21 for drinking? I mean, this is just kind of interesting questions. Um, I mean, normally whenever it's like flying and stuff, um, it's in like an actual business of some sort of making regulations and stuff, or like a uh, probably like a state-level thing. But I know that the voting age is state-level as well in um, – just that's like a good question. Yeah, I, it would have to be it would have to be state level, or California couldn't lower it. Or maybe they can just lower it yeah. for state and local elections. They can't lower it for federal because that would be Congress, and you know they they do that from there. In fact, I'm wondering if the voting age used to be 21. I think it was. They lowered it to 18 because people were going to war at 18. Oh, they lowered the drinking age to 18. We should look into this. This is kind of an interesting question. I don't know the answers to that, but the, I do know when I was in California that they were trying to lower the age. Uh, I have a theory on that. But I want to, like I said, I want to hear you first. I, I still believe in voting, whether it's state, whether it's federal. I think mm-hmm. you should be an adult, a, a legal adult American citizen. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. Which would here's be thought, 18. Though. Yeah, here's the thought, though. 16-year-olds are still in school, a lot of times in government schools. So do we want people voting who are subject to a government you know, pro-government education voting, or should we have people out paying taxes and working, or at least in college? You know, college, you're, you're considered to be an adult. That's what I think the big reason for it was. They figured that the younger folks are more liberal, and they're going to vote as their teachers, you know, influence them, tell them, or, or just the fact that younger folks are generally more liberal anyway. 
that's what I think was really behind it. Yeah. Especially, you know, San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a different world. It really was. You know, when I got there in the 80s, it was fun. I mean, I had a good time. I came up from Boston. So it's like I've I, I hit all the liberal places in the world until I came to Florida here. It, it, it was interesting. But I uh, started in Lexington, Massachusetts. You know, when I came to the United States, you know, off the boat in New York, I'm a, I'm a true immigrant. Um, you know, came from Australia, sailed the whole Pacific and, you know, part of the Atlantic and then landed in New York. And, uh, and away we, uh, the, you know, my family brought me here. Um, so so I've got <laughs> I've got that immigrant experience, too. Um, but from uh, Massachusetts, which was liberal, to California, which was liberal. Uh, but it wasn't as bad then as it is now. I mean, California in the 80s was a blast. It was fun. It wasn't that populated. It's got like twice as many people now. But they still have the same infrastructure. So they had the same highways, same amount of reservoirs, same amount of power plants, uh, but half the population they have now. So it worked. We had nice, boring governors. We had really dull, dull administrating Republican governors, Duke Majin, Pete Wilson. They were boring, but they were good. I don't want an exciting governor. Give me a boring governor who can administrate. You know, and, that, and that's what California had. And then, of course, you know, ever since fortunately, they lost it. Let me ask you another question. Um, men have to register for the selective service, but women don't. Men who don't register don't get student loans, um, don't get all kinds of things. Um, do you see that as discrimination? No. <laughs> because? I, mean, I actually talked about this one with my parents. I mean, if you oh. send both men and women mm-hmm. to serve in, in any way, you're mm-hmm. going to leave children. Like, with what? Either all alone or under government control, neither of which sounds very enticing. Okay. Um, so the question so, is, this is a good point. No, it's, go ahead. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, and also, like, you said specifically, like, it doesn't mean you'd be in combat, mm-hmm. but you would have to serve. And it's like you would have to probably go through a lot to ensure that that doesn't happen, or if it does, it would be a choice. It's like a, a very complex problem. And if the government is going to, like, force the draft onto women, who's to say that they're not going to force them to go on the front line? And if you have weaker people, if you have, mm-hmm. like, um, less qualified people that, that are weaker physically and you send them out, you're probably going to send them out first, you know, <laughs> so you can have the strong people <laughs> come in and win while you, you know. Kill, kill um, out the weaklings not first. Not to be rude, but sacrifice. <laughs> I've never heard that idea. That, that's hysterical. Yeah, I'm going to kill out the weaklings. We're going to save the brave people, brave people for the real battles. <laughs> wow. You make an interesting general. <laughs> that's funny. That, that, I don't mean, I'm not, I'm not making fun of you, but I just, I, that's an interesting perspective I'd never heard before. Love it. I have to think about that for a bit. Okay. Well, here's something that I find interesting. Uh, the military, only 10% of the military is actually in combat. It's a very small percentage. Most people don't know that. You know, so the, 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 the grunts, the door kickers, I'm going to know a couple because they've been on the show. Um, the people that, that go in, you know, with the guns and into uh, like Iraq and Afghanistan and things like that. I mean, literally kicking in doors and searching house to house for, for terrorists and Taliban and things like that. That's not a large percentage of the military. And the people that are going to do that, you're not going to have wimpy guys do it either because they can't. You know, you're going to have the wimpy, nerdy guys, you know, um, doing computers. <laughs> they're going to be running the supply chains. You know, they're going to be doing all kinds of other things. They're not going to be kicking indoors. 
They're not going to be in the infantry. They're not going to be, you know, driving Humvees with 50 caliber machine guns on the back, you know, through some of those dangerous streets in the world. They're not going to do it because they're not qualified to do it. Um, you know, so so that, that that's one of the situations where men or women, you know, wouldn't be. Uh, it depends on the person. Special forces, yeah, special forces. If you're qualified. So the question is is not the uh, it is the draft because you could be drafted, but I don't know if the country was, would tolerate a draft. The question is selective service. So by registering by not registering for selective service, young men, eighteen year old men, uh, can't get student loans. They can't do a bunch of things, and women can't. So this is even before a draft. There is discrimination. I have an issue with that. Being a man, uh, I'm just curious what uh, what you folks are thinking about because you know people I'm sure who have to register or will have to register in the next year or two. Well, isn't the whole point of selective service that if need be, there would be drafted? Yeah, that's the whole point. The selective service is a registration for the draft. But here's the question too: after nine eleven, the entire point of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. No, no. Okay, I'll just work quickly. After 9-11, uh, there were so many volunteers, you, you didn't need a draft. You know, and my point is, if the war is just, you're not going to need a draft. I mean, World War II, they didn't need a draft. I mean, they had one. They didn't need it. Vietnam, they did need a draft because people didn't want to go. In fact, the protests, if you look back and watch the videos and the YouTubes and the, and the history stuff on, on uh, Vietnam, the war ended in 75. The protests ended in 72 because that's when the draft ended. It's really interesting. Yeah. What is your views on the Vietnam War? Your oh, I think it was it. I think it was an incredible mistake. Now it's interesting because I came to this country, you know, in in the early seventies during the Vietnam War, and I'm looking around, going, "We're at war. Where? <laughs> Why? What is this <laughs> country doing? You know, I mean, because I came from Australia, right? So, so my my originally I was in Canada until I was eight, uh, Australia till I was twelve, and I came here. And I'm looking around going, huh, this is an interesting country. The first thing I noticed was the fact that the government was oppressively large. And the second thing I realized is that this country would be the next one for some kind of a communist fascist takeover someday because the government was so large. And I'm like 12 years old thinking this. Big thoughts, young kid. (laughs) Uh, But that was my impression in the United States because the government was so big, the military was so big. I thought there's something wrong here. I mean, in, in Lexington, where I grew up, the, there were, were for junior high, high school, and then I went to college at UMass. Um, there was a massive Air Force base. That's where I happened to learn to fly. But the runways were, were built for B-52s and, and C-5 Galaxies, you know, the largest transports in the world. But a B-52 is not a very efficient aircraft. It's got eight engines. You know, it's got these big, long wings, but it takes a long time to take off because those are old engines. This thing was designed in the late 40s, you know, and so it needed, you know, 12,000-foot runways. Uh, so I'm thinking to myself, wow. I mean, Australia, the Australian military had no bombers, to my knowledge. Only had about 20 or 30 fighters, one or two aircraft carriers, and that was it. That was the Australian military. But they only had 20 million people at that time, 25 million maybe. Much smaller country. It was a country the same size as the United States, but everything was much smaller. So you look around and you get the perspective and you think, huh. Because I didn't know much about the United States when I came here. We didn't study it in school, really. You know, I was a British Commonwealth, so we studied Canadian, Australian, and British history. And when we talked about World War II, we knew a lot about World War II because in the 60s when I was in Australia, you know, a lot of the folks who fought there were still alive. You know, they were in their 40s and 50s. Yeah, I think there's, like, Mm -hmm. um, distinctions. Like, if you want to have a a good military, a a strong military, Mm -hmm. but the thing that you don't want is military control, um, which would really 
I think the most dangerous part of military control is if one leader controlled the entire military and used it against its own people. That that is well, that's a military dictatorship. More of the fear yeah, of having. Yeah, nobody yeah. wants a military dictatorship. Although there's a and big uh, with a big government. Of, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And with like the big government and stuff, I mean, you can look at it as like, yes, it is very dangerous for the government to have a lot of power and a lot of control and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so what you need to have is if there's a lot of people in government, um, you want to make sure that it's a good government, not one that's controlling and stuff. And so if it's big, you have to make sure that it is good in, in the series of like how many people there are. Cause like how many representatives do you have in a state? A lot of people might think, Oh, that's too much, you know? And sometimes like, no, it's good for the population. So, so there's different ideas of like the amount of people in there, but mm-hmm. as if it runs, like the founding fathers had in mind to protect the people's rights and, and for um, hopefully people to vote in the best people that they can can protect those rights, then it can become a good government. But um, we see now that it's not so good. And I think that's well, the danger of awesome. having big government is when it turns yeah. into a bad. government. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, the, our biggest employer is the federal government, and that's wrong. It should be one of our smallest employers. You know, there are, there are people that talk about moving the various departments, me included, you know, around the country. I mean, let's put the Department of Education in Fairbanks, Alaska. You know, let's, let's move uh, the State Department to, I don't know, Seattle. <laughs> They'll be much more comfortable. Let's, uh, who else can we take? I don't know, Health and Human Services, Guam. Yeah, but the point is to, is, is to disperse it. Let's get, I want to talk about, uh, you, re, you asked me a question about Vietnam, and you asked me a question about, um, or, or the size of government and the draft, because I think these are really good questions. Vietnam, as somebody who came to this country during that war, I couldn't understand why the United States, you know, the, the big power for the United States was, was fighting in a country so far away. That made no sense to me. So war to me, when I thought of war, is like I say, in Australia, World War II. Because that's what we talked about because of the fact that Australians, you know, I knew, I mean, Japanese were in northern Australia. They, they were in Darwin, you know, so uh, Australia could have been invaded except for the Battle of Coral Sea. You know, the United States saved Australia's butt, basically, uh, in the Battle of Coral Sea. It, everybody hears about Midway, but Coral Sea was, was a huge battle. It was the first battle fought um, between aircraft carriers. And, and if you want to look it up in, in military history, that's really big. Now, Vietnam, was Vietnam ever going to attack the United States? Well, No. You know, was Vietnam, you know, the, it was the domino theory was communism, you know, and, and the ultimate irony is that the things we fought against in Vietnam, you know, unfortunately supporting a corrupt South uh, Vietnamese government. And that was the big problem, too. But the things we fought against, you know, communism uh, are here now. <laughs> you know, the very things that the communists wanted to do to Vietnam, collectivize everything, socialize everything, control everything from the central government is exactly what's happening here. With, with Brandon and, and basically the, the Communist Democrat Party. They're controlling everything. They're centralizing everything. They've centralized oil. Uh, they've centralized uh, supplies. You know, they've uh, spent us into a massive inflation. You know, they're basically ruining everything. And so it's the thing, it's, it's just, it's kind do you see the irony? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, in that, in that context, it's, it's really interesting to see, like whenever you look back in history, all the different things that, People were willing to fight for and put their uh-huh. life on the line for. Uh-huh. And it, it's really interesting just to see and learn all of this because then if you look at today, you're like, wow, everybody's really, you know, weak and, and dull. Like when you look around and stuff, you see people who have strong values and are willing to fight for it. But I mean, 
it's like it's not like whenever you open a history book and read about it. It's like a completely it's like values are washed away a little bit and in, in how far you're willing to go in it. Well, that's the question is is what's happening to the generations? Are they being watered down? You know, the the people that were, you know, tough enough to storm the beaches in in Normandy as they say. You know, the, I mean the people that literally ran into machine gun fire um to try and free Europe. Uh, and to, to prevent the, the, the Nazis from crossing the Atlantic to us. I mean, that's what it was all about. Same thing with Japan. We did not want them. Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. We did not want them, you know, invading the Panama Canal, the West Coast of the United States, and moving across. I mean, that's, that was the fear, right? That was, that was what the war was about. Um, but now it's the, the generation that like fought that war. Mis- Go ahead. I think one of the biggest mistakes with, like, this in, in this context mm-hmm. is that not only with, like, being, you know, physically tough and being able to endure this kind of thing, you also have to be mentally tough. Mm-hmm. And um, now everybody is becoming more and more mentally weak, you know, catering to feelings and stuff. And if you can't overcome any sort of, of feelings or thought, then you wouldn't make it. You can't stand for anything. Now you're you're absolutely brilliant. Uh, this is this is a huge point. So where do you see this manifesting? Where do you see this this weaker mental picture? Where where are people losing ground? I mean, you're very rare. Um, also, same thing with Brianna. I mean, you're two ex- rare individuals that, that have character, and you don't see things the way a lot of people do. Go ahead. What what, what do you see out there? You see it a lot more in, in schools and stuff. But okay. it's even starting to come into uh, workplaces and, and businesses, and people mm-hmm. are having a political campaign with it, you know, about feelings, basically. Yeah, we've we've uh, talked about this with a bunch of other folks for years on the show that rights and feelings, uh, you know, feelings can't trump rights. You know, feelings, you can feel whatever you want. Uh, the government can't control the that. The famous slogan, facts over feelings. Ooh, I haven't heard that. What's that? Tell me about it. Oh. Um, it's, a, I don't know, it's just like a very common slogan I've seen going around. I haven't I heard it. No, go ahead, fill first, me in. But it probably Facts over on. feelings? Okay. Yeah. Well, I would say rights over feelings. I don't know feelings. who created it, but. No, I don't either. I'm just, I, I, yeah. you know, like I say, you, you know, you, you can teach me stuff. I mean, feel free. This is I'm, I'm curious because this is this is the big reason I want you on the show is to is to get your perceptions and I you know and what's going on it's it's a it's a great uh, it's a great insight in, into our future I think but facts or feelings yeah that makes sense well I mean how much is feelings based I, I mean where do you see this you know, in in your friends and the corporations you know because you know when you start working do you want to work for a a woke feeling corporation I certainly don't but I don't want to work for anybody at this point. I like doing it myself. I don't fit in most corporations. It's 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 a, it's a thing. Hmm. Yeah. Or are so you like just, asking me? Well, I don't know. I just realized I didn't ask you a question. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So, I was so, like, so, so, there's a little bit. No, worry about it. Okay. Just I just freely think and just expound on stuff. Um, so so the emotional stuff. Well, this is very interesting. In other words, could we fight a war like World War II, given the current generation that that uh, is more concerned with their feelings and their TikTok and their you know various devices? Um, I think we've been in tough shape, but the question is, what war should we fight? Do we want to fight in Ukraine? That's that was crazy. You know, well, let's go for our wars. I have an you interesting know. thought. Okay. It, it just kind well, of like popped into my head. Would mm-hmm. we have a better chance 
any war, sending in like the the younger generation like we have in the past, or they have a better chance sending in like the older generation. Like okay, first, first you want to kill off the weaklings, then you want to kill off the old people. <laughs> this is a really interesting chat. No, I'm just... <laughs> okay, no, that's fine. Hey, listen, it's, it's, it's your point of view. I don't mind. I'm not criticizing you. I'm just amused. This is a great thought. Well, um, it's just an idea. Okay. Well, the theory is that uh, the problem with war is it kills off all the brave people and the cowards rebuild. And that's why you don't have free societies because the cowards are much more willing to accept government control. And so you look at Europe which routinely killed off an entire generation of men. Uh, Russia, too. Russia, I heard a staggering statistic that uh, 80% of the men born in Russia in 1922 died in the war. 80%. That's huge. Because they were 18 years old in 1940. Yeah. Can you imagine losing 80% of an entire year of men in this country? That'd be millions. Well, Russia lost, what, 20 million people? But 80% of, because uh, they were the 18, hey, you're in the, here's the rifle, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe you have to pick it up from a soldier that fell, you know, uh, but that's, that. if you ever watched the movie, um, what, I forgot which one it is, um, talks about the great Russian sniper guy. And initially they were, they didn't have enough rifles, so they sent men to run in. Half the men had rifles, the other half didn't. So the half that didn't still had to run into battle, but they got the rifles off a dead soldier. <laughs> So that's how bad it was, you know, and it's like, and if they didn't go forward into the war, then they'd be shot by their own troops. It's really quite fascinating um, how Russia did this. But that's, that's the question. You know, if you kill off the brave people, because they're the ones most likely to go, you know, do you leave your nation to be rebuilt by cowards who believe in more government control? And the answer, if you look at Western Europe is yes, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. World War One, World War Two. You know, all the, uh, all the independent folks, all the, the Churchills and the, uh, uh, the de Gaulle's from France, you know, the really brave people gave way to uh, the socialists. And now Europe's very socialist. I think they, they, they literally killed off their independent brave men. Interesting thought, huh? And you, you want to get rid of the old people. Yeah. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> well, actually, now here's the thought, though. You know, if it prevents a war, if they drafted 60-year-olds, which would include, you know, me, you know, I'm, I'm in my 60s, um, would I go thinking, well, I've had a great life. Sure, I'll go fight a battle. I don't know how far I'd get, but it would have to be just. See, here's the thing that is – no, you, re, you really raise some interesting points. Um, there's, there's a, I remember watching a special on military psychology, and the reason they want to draft younger and younger people, the military would draft 16-year-olds if they could. Because at 16, you're very impressionable, and you can be made to love war. Uh, they take 18-year-olds because that's what the, that's what the adult age is. It's the youngest they can, uh, except 17 with parental permission. By 21, people are much more cynical. This is why I want to talk to you as the years go by. It's going to be really fun. Uh, at 21, you know, people will go to battle. They will go to war for their country, but they won't love it. 16- to 18-year-olds, you can make them love it. You can make them love the battle, love the, you know, all the crazy stuff going on. So psychologically, there's a very big difference. Yeah. Hmm. So, should women be registering for selective service? I think, did you settle that one? Oh, yeah. No, because the, the whole purpose behind it is that if it needs to be a draft, then that mm-hmm. would come in, right? Okay. So, I, I don't see any way how that would be justifiable to do both men and women in. Hmm. Okay. Um, see, I would say yes, that women have to register because under the 14th Amendment, the equal protection of laws. If you're segregating men to register 
you know, for selective service with the possibility of being drafted, you don't have equality. Now, do I want women in units where they can't serve? No, but I don't want men in there either. You know, could the military have segregated units of either women or men? Sure. Don't get that either. But the question is, should you discriminate against men in terms of college loans and all the other things simply for, for not registering for selective service, which isn't even a draft yet? That's where I had the problem. Yeah, Especially, I didn't know about no. the college loan part. And if okay. we were, I don't know the full context of it, mm-hmm. so this opinion could change or something, I don't know. No, that's but fine. we yeah, could yeah, probably yeah. take that out of it and still mm. have the draft in it. Okay. I'm, I'm not yeah. sure what we would put in or anything like that. That'd probably be a discussion that I would have to look more into. Yeah, but, but I know I mean, you're going you're gonna to keep people registered for the draft until they're 75. I mean, that's, I can see you doing that. <laughs> I mean, because if you were to have a, a war today and it uh-huh. was going to be a big thing, how many men, like younger generation of men that are, I guess you'd say, in the best position to go and fight, how many uh-huh. do you think would actually do it voluntarily? That's a good you question. Know, the ones that don't think they're actually women. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point, too. Yeah, do, do you want a transgender army? Well, actually, you know, I had an interesting thought one day. I said we should have uh, units of women because if, if the women win, we can say, hey, our women beat you. You know, and if the women lose, we can say, okay, you beat our women. <laughs> You know, big deal. I'm, I'm just being sarcastic. But that's an interesting thought. You know, the, the <laughs> transgender. <laughs> well, what, uh, you know, I'll tell you, it'd be interesting. How many, how many men would, would immediately identify as women saying, no, nope, I'm not registering. You know, I don't know. Do transgenders have to register for the selective service? That is a great question. If they identify as women, guys, do they have to register anyway? Yes, because that's just subjective. <laughs> Okay, but if they do have to register, then they can't identify as women because they signed up for the selective service as men. <laughs> this is fun. I love exploring these topics. Yeah. You pointed out the hypocrisy everywhere, and that's what's good. Uh, Josie hasn't called in yet, so uh, we we got a few more minutes. If you have a few more minutes, we can take a completely different issue, uh, if that's okay. okay. Oh, she's calling in later. Uh, okay, well, actually, we have... All right, so yeah, um, do you have some extra time right now? So it looks like Josie's calling at the top of the hour. Or do you have to go? Yeah. Okay, good. No, what I want to do is I want to move you to, uh, to a full hour anyway, just because half an hour is not enough. Uh, same thing with Amber. And I emailed you that. We can talk about that off the air as the, the hows and whys. But if we can do it, uh, you're certainly worthy and justified of an hour. Uh, I think it would be great. We get, more, we get more details discussed. So hang out now for an hour. See how it feels. See what you think, and we'll talk uh, after the show. Let's talk about Social Security, which I find interesting um, because they're always raising the age and doing things like that. But I I was alerted to the Chilean system. Uh, I guess there's a raise coming for Social Security next year, uh, like 8% or something like that. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this is social, not individual security. Chile, Chile has individual security. You get a mandatory 10% take out of your pay. Uh, it's actually 15 here if you count the employer contribution, which employees pay. Otherwise, they get that money too. So it's 15% here, 10% in Chile, uh, and yet the Chilean account is completely independent. You have control over it. You know, it goes to your family, whatever you earn during your lifetime, uh, unlike Social Security, which the government keeps it, whatever you don't collect during your lifetime. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a totally I'm, different way of doing things. Go ahead. What do you think? I'm going to have to say 
neither one should be forced. <laughs> like, neither. And I was actually um, learned from my dad that in, like, 401Ks, on average, people lost $35,000. Mm-hmm. So that, that's inflation, though. That's, in not, cases, it's money that's not because they weren't see. investing well. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. But yeah, no, I mean, because it's not something that, because if either one of these are forced, it's not something that you can choose. You know, like if you're going to put mm-hmm. your money, like, like you said, in an investment, if you're going to put it in like stocks or bonds or, or some kind of decision like that, you're mm-hmm. still making that choice of, of putting money into it. Yeah. And this, you're not. Right, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I okay. see your point. Go ahead. It should be voluntary, but, and here's the big but, there are a few situations where human nature does not allow for the best decision. It would be great if most people saved for retirement. Most people don't. Uh, we have a situation now where, where most people are in debt upon retirement. You know, and so the, the system is designed for debt. We'll talk about that. I, I've got a bunch of stuff on that. We actually have a debt economy. In fact, I went over this you know, back before. We are a national company town where it doesn't matter how hard you work. You know, the cost of living is greater than the cost, greater than the, the income capacity of most people. So most people go into debt, stay in debt, become you know, full of debt and die in debt. Well, that's no way to run a country. That's, that's insane. So because of the fact, and I'm not sure what that is, but I think most people, you know, the vast majority of people would not save. They would spend whatever money they have, which normally is a good thing because that's good for the economy. It's good for people. They accumulate property. They get what they want. They live a happier life. You know, that's okay. However, the problem is, at a certain age, when people stop working, if people have no savings, no plan, no nothing, you know, who's going to pay them? Well, all the other taxpayers who are younger. And that's how Social Security works. So Social Security, the people that are collecting money on Social Security are not collecting money that they earned. That money was spent decades ago. What they're collecting is money that people are paying in now. And this is why Social Security goes into crisis. Because the people now... As we have fewer and fewer workers, you know, paying in and more and more people collecting, that's when the system goes bankrupt because it's not an investment. Now, in the Chilean system, it doesn't work that way because the government's not creating the system. It's all run privately. So you pay in 10% of your income. Uh, so your, your retirement uh, is based on, um, you know, the accumulation of that 10% over your lifetime. 10% most people aren't going to miss. I mean, we have 15% now from Social Security. People seem to do okay with that. So people would actually get a 5% pay increase if we went to a 10% system, a privatized economy, and you get control of it. So you, you, could, you could put it in your will. People could pass it on family to family. Families could accumulate wealth over generations because it's not being taken like Social Security. So I favor that system. I do. This is one of those rare cases. As, as much as I love freedom, as much as I love independence, as much as I love people making their own decisions, we're going to have to pay for it. <laughs> you know, the people that are working. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't I, plan on retiring because I'm I having too much fun that not retiring. That would be the, Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I can agree that that would be the better choice between the two. Mm-hmm. But I also still think, like, this is why it would be important to incorporate lessons like this into schools, you know, to prepare for retirement, to be smart about your financials and stuff. And, and you know, once again, you know, teach the Bible. And it doesn't have to be like if you're going to implement the Bible into schools and stuff, it doesn't have to be strictly you have to be saved by Jesus. Because, I mean, if you look at, like, Benjamin Franklin, mm-hmm. and a lot of people say well, he wasn't religious and stuff, and I've actually lear- learned a lot about him. 
between like Patriot Academy and, and reading his autobiography and different things like that. And even though he didn't believe as in like he wasn't saved or anything like that, he still followed the Bible with such a passion of it, of its truth and of its knowledge and he used it. Mm-hmm. And I, and one of the lessons in the Bible is, you know, to, to stay out of debt, that debt is bad. And so it's like another check mark off the list of why you should teach the Bible in school. Because if you teach this as a foundation, as a lesson, more people are apt to not go into debt for it. You know, if it becomes part of their values and stuff. And and if you continue to, like, train and educate people on it. And businesses, I think it would be great if they could still advertise it and promote it to their people. Because it is really simple, like, in a group email, you can send an advertisement or something for it. But I still think that one, if you do all of these measures and stuff and make it really clear how important it is and people still decide, then therefore it would be their own fault and their own choice. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be forced. But the problem is that if people choose not to invest or save anything for their retirement, the burden falls on other people. So other people are going to have to pay for that person's decision. So the only instances I can see taking away uh, absolute individual power and decisions is when those decisions are going to impact somebody else and cause them to have to work for the other people. So if the people that are working and saving are actually working and saving not only for themselves, but for the people who are not working and saving, that is, a, that is a, what they call a, a, a distribution of wealth. In other words, from those who have to those who don't have, it's actually socialist. So the freer system the system that, that would uh, get the most independence for everybody is that everybody pays into their own account, not, not a socialist social security system, but everybody, like a big general fund, the Congress raised, but everybody pays into their own account with the, with the rationale that, that we are doing this so that people do have provision for themselves in later life, and they're not going to burden other people with their retirement. So that's how I justify it. That is a really good point. Well, thank you. I have my moments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in other words, you want freedom. You want the most freedom. But the most freedom actually may be a government program, which is kind of ironic, but that's how I see it. So if you had a choice as you're you know, going to be entering the work world, Social Security or a, or a privatized Chilean system or something else that we haven't thought of yet, maybe you've thought of something, what would you sign up for? Um, between the two, I would do the Chilean version. Okay. I think most people would. But if people want a government social security system, I would not deny them that. I'll tell you, though, it's going to be such a small percentage of the population, probably the lowest earning and because it's going to want the money. Um, And that's okay. That's still, you know, people try. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how successful uh, an optional social security system would be. See, we don't have a choice now. So we have a system that would be far less free than the option of going to a system where you had your own money in your own account. So that would be the, the more free option. Even if it's required, it's still more free than we have now. Now, here's a question for you. Should, let's get back to our earlier question. Should we abolish the selective service system and not have people register, have people register when we actually need a draft? For this, I can go back and forth, and I really don't have a clear answer on this. Okay, because there's one part of it, like, it's a, yeah. it's a volunteer force, you know, to fight for your country and stuff. But then, like, on the other hand, it's like, well, 
what happens when you can't protect this country that you live in to help it? Whether mm-hmm. whether there's problems in it or not, you can't save the country itself. You'll never be able to fix any problems. <laughs> but so, in order to save the country or keep it safe and stuff from any number of things. Mm-hmm. You would have well, to have people that are willing to go and fight for it. And what happens when you yeah. don't have that? Yeah. Well, let me ask another question then. Uh, Israel has a mandatory two years of service. Now, I actually favor that. Everybody does two years of military service. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, everybody's trained for war if necessary. And two, you've got a whole bunch of people that know how to use guns, and they can keep their community safe after they get out of the military. So there's a, and you've, got a, you've, you've, been, you've educated the entire population on the use of firearms, and that's not a bad thing. So would you favor or not uh, an Israeli-style mandatory two years of service after high school and then start college when people are more mature? I sort of biased the question, but uh, you, know, you can take whichever view you want on it. Mandatory service. Right offhand, I would, like right offhand first instinct, I would say no, but it's something that I would have to think about definitely. Okay. Yeah. You never have to have an answer to a question right away. I don't. I don't, you know, I, I ponder questions for weeks months, years, a lot of times when I give you a really, you know, snappy, well-defined argument, it's not because I just made it up. It's because I've been working on it for several years, you know, and refining it. And so <laughs> it's seriously, it's never a problem to, to not have an answer right away. In fact, I prefer that if that's what you're thinking. You know, I'd rather have you think about issues and then, you know, write them down and come back and go, hey, remember we talked two weeks ago about this? Well, here's what I think now. That's, that's perfectly acceptable. And in fact, it's, I would much rather have it that way um, because that, uh, you know, things, the really big questions you don't want to have a snap answer for. And, and ones I do, like I say, generally, I've, I've thought about them for, for a whole long time. So the question on, on selective service, mandatory service, not selective, but mandatory service, uh, is, that, is that indentured servitude? Would that be against the 13th Amendment? Are you, are you basically stealing people two years of their lives? you know, to make them uh, serve the country. Uh, and is that unconstitutional? Probably, <laughs> you know, uh, it might require a constitutional amendment. Um, but on the other hand, I think the benefits in terms of work, in terms of ambition, in terms of what people can do that they never thought they can do. You know, the, the greatest generation was called, the, the fought World War II was called the greatest generation because they came back from the war thinking, I survived that, I can do anything. <laughs> and they did. Corporations were built, you know, really great cars came out. Look at the cars in the 50s and 60s, best cars in the world, you know, designed by, you know, people that were involved in World War II. And that includes Rosie the Riveter. So, so women did amazing things in World War II. If you want to look at an interesting time in our history for women, look at World War II. You know, it, it, it yeah, wasn't Bobby I, the transgender, I mean, the, you know, it was Rosie. <laughs> Rosie did the riveting, okay? So, yeah, go ahead. And, like, with that, like, if we go back to, like, the um, drafting and stuff, a lot of women served in World War Two, you know, mm-hmm. as like a volunteer force. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the majority of the jobs that they would do was probably like um, sorting mail or, or being a nurse. Oh, I got news for you. <laughs> I had, well, at my flying school, there was a woman, uh, Marion. Marion was a ferry pilot of B-17s and fighter airplanes to Europe. So she, would, she wouldn't be in combat. Unless, unless they were shooting at her on the way over. But she used to fly the bombers and fighters uh, over to England from the United States in World War II. And she was one tough cookie. <laughs> you know, uh, she could have been in combat. I guarantee you she would have been, you know, she would have been as, as good as, as anybody. 
uh, in combat. But uh, so women were doing some very dangerous women who are nurses, you know, that, that are serving or doctors that are serving in medical units on the front lines. You know, so women do. In fact, I met and I one think of my. That if, go ahead. Mm-hmm. If women have the availability and the will and the want to go and serve, I think that's good. Mm-hmm. Well, I we just had Wendy right. Rogers on the show. Yeah, yeah look at. Go back to Thursday's show. We have Wendy Rogers. Wendy uh, is the uh, is a state senator from Arizona. She was one of the first women Air Force pilots. She flew transports and uh, and Learjets, executive transport. I don't think they had women at that time flying combat jets. They do now. I think one of the Blue Angels or, or Thunderbirds is going to be a woman. And my women students, when I was flying, were great pilots. In fact, one of them, uh, Sherry, was a was a combat trauma nurse. I mean, she was a combat veteran you know, trauma nurse on the front lines handling the worst battlefield injuries. I would fly with that woman anytime. <laughs> she was tough as nails. She's one of my favorite students of all time. In fact, we went into weather that a lot of other students wouldn't handle, but she did just fine. So it's always the character of the person. I, I've never discriminated, you know, uh, men to women. I mean, look at my show. You know, it's, 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 it's who you are, not your age or your gender or your, you know, political affiliation. Things. I don't care about this. I want to know who you are. It's your character that counts. And I think the same thing works in the military. Anyway, uh, do you like this hour? This is kind of fun. We actually get to talk about stuff. Yeah. Okay. So what about the election? Midterms. You guys talking about midterms? What's, uh, how much does that play in your life? Um, not really a whole lot. Okay. I, mean, I don't know what my parents are doing for it and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't have to give away your birthday. In fact, it's probably a good idea you don't. But will you be able to vote in the 2024 election? Um, no. <laughs> okay, too bad. So. Oh, gee, that, that just takes away a whole bunch of questions <laughs> I was going to ask you for uh, for over the next two years. Okay, fine. I'll take it something else then. Okay. Okay. Here's something else, too. Yeah, that I think I got it just... might be a little after. <laughs> What's that? Not I think it might be a little bit after that. Okay, that's fine. Like I say, don't don't we don't want to do personal information, so so feel free on that. Um, something else I've done here. This is the first time we actually had an hour, so we're, I'm still looking at the clock, going, huh? I got extra time. I can still talk to you. This is really cool. So I think when we start gearing up for an hour, I think we'll be a lot better off. But I've I've got some new terms. Uh, you know me, I redefine everything. You know, I I, uh, <laughs> I call the rhinos transgender Democrats. You know, that, that's just, you don't have to use that term. Uh, I think it's funny. I told Peter Navarro that I had Peter Navarro on the show last week, uh, Trump's senior advisor on economics, trade in China. I told him that he cracked up. So now we're in connection. Uh, we're in contact with the Trump campaign. So I, I actually got to talk about our bills. It was really fabulous. Having her back, but I'm expecting him to be busy with the election. So I'm going to contact uh, Peter Navarro after the election and say, hey, what do you think of our citizen legislation? And can we work directly with, you know, the hopefully announced by then uh, Trump 2024 campaign? You want to get in on that? You want to start writing some bills? See if we can get them directly to the Trump campaign? How's that sound? That, that sounds pretty great. It's kind of crazy how you're able to, I mean, connect with these people. Uh, I have friends. Uh, you know what it really is? I'll tell you, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the strength of the ideas. That's really what it comes to. Um, in fact, uh, if you ever watched the movie V for Vendetta, one of my personal favorites, uh, November 5th, Guy Fawkes Day, uh, modern day Guy Fawkes comes forward and blows up Parliament. 
But in one of the speeches, he talked about ideas and the strength of ideas. And you can take out the messenger and you can oppress the people. But the ideas, you can never kill the ideas. And that's what this show is based on. This show is based on ideas. You know, as I say in my promo, have you ever heard my surfing promo with the surf music in the background? You know, I said, we don't talk about what has happened. We talk about what can happen. Have you heard that? Possibly. Let me play for you right now. In fact, it's a good time to play it anyway. But uh, that's what this show is about. It's the ideas. Because of the strength of our ideas, our, our citizen legislation, the things that nobody else in the country is doing, that's how I'm able to do it. Because if it was just me, they wouldn't care. I'm just you know, one guy out here with a, with, with a microphone and a computer. But the ideas are what are truly unique. Let me just find my, my favorite little promo here and play this. Ah, here we go. Be right back. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Oh yeah. Yes, I put all my cliches for the show in one place. <laughs> That's it. Catchy, huh? Mary. <laughs> You're still dancing. Okay, fine. Yeah, me too. I, I get going to my feet every time I hear that. It's like, yeah, I like surf music. I play some wild surf on music on guitar too. So let me run a couple of uh, new terms by you. So again, I changed all kinds of words here. You know, the GOP became the gelding old party. Uh, but I came up with a new one for, for uh, everybody's talking about fossil fuels. And I thought to myself, these things don't come from white dinosaur bones. I've seen Jurassic Park. There's no way that we're powering 747s on what you drill out of a, of a T-Rex bone. Ain't happening, right? So why do we call it fossil fuels? So I came up with the term organic fuel. So oil, coal, natural gas, and uranium are organic fuels. They are pure when they come out of the earth. You have pure oil, pure natural gas, pure coal. And when you burn them, you create carbon dioxide and oxygen and a few other you know, more noxious chemicals like nitrous oxide and sulfur monoxide, which become sulfur dioxide and nitrogen dioxide, which form with water and form nitric and sulfuric acid. But that's another story. Uh, but those can be cleaned out. But basically, the components of burning organic fuels, you know, oil, coal, natural gas, is carbon dioxide and water. Well, the water forms clouds, and that's a good thing because then we get rain. CO2 is plant food, and that's a good thing because without plants, we'd all be dead. <laughs> so... Uh, so burning organic fuels is a good thing. So that's my argument for the new term organic fuel as opposed to fossil fuel. Brianna, what do you think? Um, <laughs> got you thinking. I think fossil fuels are important. Because? Organic fuels, I guess. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, how's that sound? <laughs> Should we retain the word fossil? Or do you think we'd be better served by calling them organic fuels in terms of arguing with the left especially? What do you think? And you can disagree with me. Don't be afraid to. I mean, that's, that's part of the fun of being on here. You can disagree with me anytime you want. It's not a problem. Um, 
I really don't know. I mean, like, if the definition of it is more mm-hmm. accurate, then I, I say, then yeah, because, you know, it's always better to be closer to the truth. But that makes sense. I also think it's, like, kind of, I think it's also kind of, like, a touchy subject because um, it is, you know, changing a definition, not a, je- a definition, but changing the word that goes with the definition. Mm-hmm. And though, even though it's more accurate, I think it gets into something touchy. But what if the definition of the word was meant to imply that there is a limited amount of oil and we should be looking for alternatives? Because if it's a fossil fuel, how many fossils can there be out there? How many T-Rex bones and Brontosaurus bones can we dig into to get this oil to run our 747s? I think, it's a, I think this term was picked on purpose for a political agenda. I'm just picking a term that I think That's is better. I wonder, what, hmm? I wonder what it first came out. I mean, I guess it's like the first terminology. Let's look it up. Let's oil. Look it up. That's, that's a great point. <laughs> Let's put, where did the term fossil fuel come from? This is so much fun. I, I need a producer. I want, to do, I want to be able to do this on the air. Jesse's with us too. So let's look up. When did the term fossil fuel Let's go. Just said where come about. There we go. Fossil fuel. Fossil fuel. Oh, the fossil fuel is not coined by John D. Rockefeller. Well, thank you for that, Reuters. Reuters is the German news agency. Yeah. Uh, the ancient fossil fuels don't. Oh, here we go. <laughs> this is Forbes. Though ancient fossil fuels don't actually come from fossils, which is true. That's the other thing. Where does fossil fuels go? The origin of the term fossil fuels. <laughs> Um, the first known use of the term fossil fuel was made during an employment interview at the now extinct Combustion Engineering Inc. in Windsor, Connecticut, uh, during October 1973. Oh, that's interesting. This is pretty new. I don't, I don't know if this answer is true or not, but it, it certainly is interesting. Uh, the term fossil fuel was coined by J.D. J, D, blah, DJ Rockefeller. It's actually John D. Rockefeller, who wanted to manipulate the markets and, fa- and had organizations. Okay, now, uh, to be exact, I said, just D. Rockefeller at... 1892. Okay, I'm going to have to look this up. We'll, we'll get back to this one. <laughs> we'll put this on for next week. But uh, I think the term, like a lot of terms are used to, for a political agenda. Fossil fuels, I think, was used because people think, well, how many fossils can there be out there? We better, we better transform our whole economy to electric. And what does electric use? Fossil electricity. So there's your next new term. Fossil electricity. <laughs> so if you have organic fuel... And fossil electricity, because what is fossil electricity? Well, if they're fossil fuels, coal, oil, and natural gas, and most of the electricity is generated with them, that becomes fossil electricity, right? Yeah, it's, it's so funny. Like, when anybody in my family, like, we hear about, because, you know, there's this big push towards expensive electric cars, right? Because right. they want everybody to be able to buy. Uh-huh. Um, but it's so funny whenever you hear, like, on the news or some kind of event, where it doesn't work out, like people get locked out of it when the battery dies or something. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I think it was California where they started having certain times and how long you can actually charge your vehicle, you know, to get anywhere. No, oh, yeah, yeah. So, and, and they still power them on fossil electricity. They still, they still most of the plant, power plants in California are natural gas. Josie, do you want to get in on this? And then we'll get to your report. I haven't been able to get through your uh, show since this morning, so just now really? listening to you. Yeah. Oh. 
I we were broadcasting? So I don't know. Huh, that's weird. I don't weird. know. Well, the internet was going, you know, I don't know, in my phone. So I said, I hope I can get through with my phone. So I did. Oh, you did? No, you were fine. You've only been on uh, like, a, like a minute or two here that I've seen. Uh, Brianna, did you yeah. have any trouble calling in this morning? Um, I had to call twice. The first time, I don't know what happened. It was just silent, so I just had to recall. Okay. Sometimes when you call before the show starts, uh, but that wasn't the case. In fact, I saw your number flash, then it disappeared, so that works. Okay. Um, closing comments, Brianna? You're welcome to stick around if you want, but uh, if not, um, sum up our discussion for this. This was a good discussion. I like having you on for an hour. This works out well. Yeah. That's, that's all I got, I guess. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Let's do it again next week. And if we can keep – I'll talk to Josie and, and, and you out there and we'll see if we can keep uh, you at 7, Josie at 8, and we'll see if we can do that because that would be fabulous. And then 9 o'clock, I'll have guests. Anyway, let's – and I will make a theme for you. Brianna, I will make a theme for you. I've, I've got some time. I'm, I'm currently right now redoing my flight instructor certificate, so I'm, I'm doing this online course I have to take. Uh, and have to get it done before the end of the month, so hopefully the next, you know, this week. And once I have that done, I'll have more time, and I will be producing uh, themes like this for you. She started off as a poor child in Nicaragua, living under communism. And now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family, living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Cossey knows all about both worlds, communism, and freedom. She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border from personal experience, living, not just reporting, what's happening. And now, the Latina Report with Josie Cossey. Buenos dias, chica. ¿Cómo está? Good morning. Buenos dias. Dobre ultra. I think it's funny when I'm she good. responds in English and I speak in Spanish. That to me cracks me up. I'm sorry. Dobre <laughs> ultra. Guten tag. Good night. Yes, How's dobre it going? Ultra. Konnichiwa. Dobre ultra. Josie San. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. I don't know what happened with my internet this morning in my regular phone. You know, when you shut the internet thing, it should mm-hmm. work, and it did not want to work, so yeah, I give that's up. Funny. Well, but I like anyway, what you said about a power supply. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, as soon as I can, I'm going to get myself a power supply so I don't have those thunderstorm interruptions, yeah. although they're less this time of year. But uh, certainly that was yeah. – I didn't, know, I didn't know anything about them until you told me, so thank you. I appreciate that. I'll work on Yes, so they're on? very good. Mm. I have them in my computer in the back and the front because mm. I have a lot of information I don't want to lose, you know. So and no, at I've the never house, lost I information. Have I have a I have a one of mm-hmm. these um, hard disk extra. You know, I save everything to a to a hard drive, so everything's preserved. I have like a time or whatever it's called the uh, uh, well these Seagate things. So I've got a computer disk back that takes. Up. I gotta, everything's backed up. Yeah, everything's backed up. Plus, I have, I have yeah. the cloud, so a lot of stuff's backed up there. But everything's backed up on the, on a separate hard drive, so I don't lose anything with a power failure. All I lose yeah. is what hasn't been saved, and that's not generally much because I, I save use, often. Yeah, I don't yeah. use cloud. I don't use none of that stuff. No. Well, I, I got an iMac. I like iMac. I've, I've always had uh, Mac. I've always had Apple computers. I started with them. Uh, I wrote my book, mm-hmm. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction, on a on a on a Mac Classic, you know, a little TV screen word processor. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. 
I wanted to I wanted to report this morning. Uh, the crisis is getting worse at the border. Uh, a new caravan is forming from uh, Guatemala. Most of the ones uh, they were telling uh, it's they're coming from Venezuela, so they're fleeing the country. Mm-hmm. At least they have uh, easy access to leave through Colombia, you know. Uh, but the people in Cuba, it's a little harder for them to leave because they're, well, they're on an island. For, yeah, they're on an island, first of all. Yeah. So why is Venezuela so so willing to let their people go? That's like a brain drain and a labor drain. Yeah, well, uh, I can't believe he's allowing that many people to flee the country because they're, they're, they don't have food. I mean, this and in Cuba, things are getting very, very bad because I get messages every day from Cuba, you know. And now they're they're recording and they're listening and they're seeing everything we're saying back and forth. So now we have to be more careful than before through WhatsApp uh, or, or Facebook Messenger, which I don't have Facebook with nobody in queue. I don't want it in case I go back on missions, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, things, are, things are more critical now when it comes to, uh, to communication with each other back there. So, yeah, I've never but, seen uh, Cuba show up on our board here, but uh, I'm hoping people listen or at least get some kind of internet recording passed to them, you know, so they can listen uh, to like mm-hmm. the podcast. But uh, even that, even that yeah. might show up too. So I'm not sure how that works exactly. But uh, we don't have Ukraine either or mm-hmm. Belarus, but we have almost all of Eastern Europe, you know, listeners. Yeah, which is kind Good. of interesting. But uh, yeah, oh, we're all over the place. We're in Sri so Lanka. Go figure. Sri Lanka, yeah. Yeah. Mm, wow. Used to be Ceylon. Yeah, you know, it's that little country where all the tea comes from, south of India, in the southeast corner of India, mm-hmm. in the Indian Ocean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. so they listen. Iceland oh. is, listens. We got people in Iceland. So if we do an action radio trip to Iceland, they say, "Okay, where are the three listeners?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> listen to action radio in Iceland. Mm-hmm. We're here. <laughs> yeah. We're here. Yeah. Um, well, actually, there were Canada. Kinda, there were kind of like. They were kind of giving a report, um, which I know a lot of this is not accurate. Uh, and at the border, the crisis is getting worse. And um, mm-hmm. they said uh, monthly crossing is 139,000. That doesn't mean the ones they get away and escape into the country, about mm-hmm. 900,000 are the other ones, you know. Uh, but yeah. they're only reporting like 139,000 coming across, which that's a lot. Uh, they say they have arrested 2.1 million people. But, you know, they arrest and then they release them. So <laughs> why are you even Well, the, the, they're processing. Okay. Well, you remember, the, you listen to Mayorkas and some of these other idiots in, in the Brandon Insurrection, whenever they talk about the border, uh, or Jean-Claude you know, Claude Pierre or whatever her name is, the, the press secretary, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. always talk about, um, processing, making it more efficient to process people into the United States. They never talk about keeping people out. Never. It's all about how can we bring My, more people in more efficiently. And that's how they speak. That's what they think. Now, here's where it gets yeah, interesting, though. This, uh, Go ahead. Yeah. This Mallorca guy, to me, he's a criminal. I can hardly wait for him to be arrested. Oh, my gosh. I just, oh, he should be arrested. Absolutely. Be celebrating. Well, anybody associated with the, with the Brandon administration or the Brandon insurrection in terms yep. of what's going on at the border, they're, they're breaking federal law. They're breaking federal law. Mm-hmm. They can all be arrested. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and you know, um, well, let me finish this, and then I'll go to the sure. thing about this lady from Peru. Uh, 
so parents, uh, children without parents, about 108,000 are crossing uh, monthly. 108,000 kids a month with no parents. And you know, a lot of this, uh, a lot of these children are being kidnapped by uh, anybody mm-hmm. <laughs> to bring them across with the cartels and the coyotes. Uh, the coyotes are coming all the way across now. The, nobody's stopping them. Uh, 700 deaths so far, they say, but I think there's more in mutilation, a lot more than that. Uh, so there's a new caravan foreman, like I said, and who knows how many that's going to be in that new caravan. But, you know, they encourage all these people in the Latin America and uh, Central America or any place in the world for them to come now because before Trump gets in, you know. So that's well, that's, that's the thing. So people are fleeing this way. Yeah. Well, here's the question. Do you, do you think there's any pressure uh, to get in before the midterms? Are people trying to get in before November? Or is that not a factor? Uh, probably. Probably they're trying to flee before November, yes. Okay. And, the reason- but a lot, of, a lot of these people are going to be deported. Uh, mm-hmm. Donald Trump is tracking, he, he's even tracking Antifa step by step with Space Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people don't know, but he's in full control of Space Force completely. Uh, but he's, he has a way in a system. He already has a plan. I don't know exactly the plan. But yeah, you told us. All the illegals. Yeah, I can yeah, have Well, here's what's interesting. Now, now, the, just to put some, some credence to what you're saying, uh, we had Peter Navarro on last week, which was just outstanding. And I'm going to see if I can uh, connect back up with him after the election, after the midterms. But in his book, and I remember reading this, as the questions I had for him, I, I had like five times the questions we had time for, which is pretty normal. But I, I just keep it for next time. Um, but one of the things he said was that uh, getting rid of all the illegals that came in during Brandon, I want to ask him. He, already, he yep. said that in his book. Okay. So my question is how? You know, and I'm thinking, don't round up because that'll I just be that, that optics. And... Okay, go ahead. I kind of have, I kind of have an idea how President Trump is going to do it because a lot of these people are in the system collecting. So, and it's done for them to be. Uh, collecting money, collecting this, collecting everything for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, some some of them are even collecting social security. So mm-hmm. any anybody that came, they're going to be very uh, checked by by the team, Trump team, and uh, I'm pretty sure millions will be sent back, millions, because the yeah. criminals right now running the show, which is Obama, uh, he wants to bring a hundred million to America. That's a disgrace to the American people, what they're doing. Even in our little town of Pensacola, the, the accidents, because I'm right across the hospital, West Florida Hospital, I hear the sirens, the ambulance, I mean, constantly. We've never had that before. And, huh. and there's more accidents in the streets like never before. Well, because yeah. nobody's obeying the law. We, we've got a bunch of people, we've got millions of people in this country, you know, that, that don't care about our laws. If they don't care about the law at the border, they're certainly not going to care about speed limits or traffic signs. They don't care. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and most they of these countries, no. you know, my experience driving in, in Central American countries when I was, uh, you know, doing the, the cruise ship uh-huh. thing, um, is that the driving is pretty yeah. horrible because they don't care because the government doesn't do have the time or the money or yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's what they do in a lot of, a lot of countries. Mm-hmm. They do whatever they want. Like I remember in Nicaragua when when I used to visit, you know, and we're in a taxi and somebody hit the taxi from the back. And they got out and see what happened and all that. And say, oh, it was just a little kiss. And they just depart. Nothing mm-hmm. happened. Yep. No insurance. So that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No insurance. Um, no nothing. But it's cultural, too. I mean, in, 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 in yeah. a lot of countries, it's like, we just hey, unless you're killed or unless you're severely injured, it's just, okay, fine. It's, just, it's a daily occurrence. You can't fight it because everybody's doing it. Nobody has insurance. So it doesn't matter. No. You yeah. Know, it's, it's a different culture. Very sad. You know, but we've lost... You know, the typical, you look at, um, uh, you know, the, the, the father knows best, the, 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 you know, Mayberry RFD, you know, the traditional okay. 1950s white America. Let's, 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 be, uh, let's be blunt here. You know, you got folks that were law-abiding, you know, that had respect for family, lived in communities where they didn't lock their doors. I mean, that was 1950s, you know, suburban America. That's changed. Yeah. You know, and in fact, oh, uh, and it's, yeah. it's not a racial thing because, you know, middle class is middle class. It re- middle class doesn't make racial discriminations. You know, Democrats and leftists do. But there there was mm-hmm. a time in America where anybody in a middle class neighborhood, you know, for the most part, didn't lock yeah. their doors, didn't lock their cars, didn't uh, let the driver's license in the, in the little little flap in the car. So it was easily accessible. You know, it was a totally different world back then. But that culture yeah. is gone. You know, the culture that, uh, you know, kids brought 22 rifles in the New York subways, you know, for, for rifle practice after school. They had a range in the basement. Those days are gone because we're all super paranoid and oh, we're yeah. into this leftist thing. So that, so the, but it's the culture that's changed. That's what makes things so much more dangerous on the roads because the people that come here don't have that, that sense of law-abiding community, you know, responsibility, individual responsibility. You know, with individual rights come individual responsibilities. I mean, they go hand in hand. Yeah. So it's just a different way of, of operating. But I'm not sure what plan Peter Navarro has. I, that's why I want to ask him because I'm with you that, uh, you know, this, the, what the left wants us to do is, is round up people by the thousands and arrest them and drag them out of their homes and, you know, put them on buses and send them across yeah. the border. That's not how you do it. Okay. So I hope they're, I'm sure they're smart enough to know that. I know Navarro is, and I know Trump is. Uh, the rest of the folks they bring in, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know who they are yet, but there are ways to do it. First of all, anybody who's on welfare who can't, uh, doesn't have a logical path to why they're here or citizenship, if they just suddenly appeared, mm-hmm. you know, at 18, it's like, where are you? Where'd you come from? Yeah. You know, if the, you know, and the, yeah. you, you go back generations on this too. So you track everybody that on welfare. You track everybody that um, skipped their immigration hearing, you know, because they're normally like two years apart. Yeah, everybody they skipped. They don't show up. Right, but those there's still a record of who those people are, right? So we know who they are. Yeah. So those are millions yeah. of people. You take everybody that's on the ITIN, the individual tax identification number that was created by the IRS to collect money from illegal aliens so that the IRS gets their tax money from people that shouldn't be here. Well, that's a crime too. Illegal aliens yeah. can't pay taxes. People don't understand that. Illegal aliens cannot pay taxes. You cannot buy your way into citizenship coming here illegally. So illegal aliens should be absolutely prevented from paying taxes. I don't want them thinking for a second that they're part of our society. They're they not. Okay. Some well, taxes. yeah, but they know. can't. They can't legally, and the IRS can't legally accept it because they're not citizens. They're not allowed to be yeah. here. You can't take tax money or give government benefits. That's what taxes are for. The necessary expenses of government. You cannot give. Uh, you cannot collect taxes, nor can you give government benefits to people that cannot be here. That's illegal. Yeah. So, 
You take all the ITIN numbers. You take all the registrations for the people that didn't show up for their hearings. You take all the folks that suddenly showed up in the school registrations. You take all the people that are on some kind of government benefit. You take all those people. Mm-hmm. And, and here's the big one. You take all the people that were mistakenly given U.S. citizenship when they had parents who were illegal aliens or foreign nationals per the 14th Amendment, and you, you, correct all the, you correct millions of citizenships back as far as you can. But you take all those folks, ITIN, huh. you take all the uh, – and that can be done, okay? But just, just for the sake yeah. of, of civil asset forfeiture, here's how you do it. You take all the ITIN number of people. You take all the people on government benefits. You take all the people that suddenly showed up that don't have a record of being here or, or a citizen. You take all the uh, – um, yeah, the, 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 and the, the hearing people. You take all those people, millions of them, put them into one big fat computer, and you take all their assets, home, car, mm-hmm. bank accounts, everything. Cool. Take it all. With or without warning, the question, the only question I have is whether you do it without without warning. I think I think 30 days, but the problem is the left is going to scream and yell saying you can't do that and they'll take it to court. So I would do it without warning. Uh, you know, it, it would be the best way. So you do it without warning, right? So so all that, and then you say to people, okay, great. Well, well, we've taken your assets and we will have enough money to transport you back to your home country free of charge. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. Well, I I truly believe that. Uh, these people are going to be gone. Um, so some of the DACA. How are they going to be gone? What's, what's, what's your method? That's my he method. He has a plan. Oh, yeah. Well, what's the plan? He has a plan how to get, I don't know. He, they're not telling me. But well, I, I couldn't know, ask him on the I show. Know, I like, okay, well, do you think, well, well he said, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to check the book. I'm going to check the book. Check the book. I don't think they're going to tell you exactly how they're going to do it. No, no, they don't do that. Okay. You don't tell your enemy what you're going to do. No, uh-huh. you don't do that. Right. I just did. No, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but that's your idea. But uh, <laughs> they have other ideas how they're going to do it and effectively. Okay. Um, so they're going to do it. They're going to send them back. Our country's going to be uh, <clears throat> back. Send to them home. Probably Not like back. Home. When we we're were like home. in the 70s, 80s. Yeah. 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 We're sending them home. And I send home. you a video. I know you don't watch a lot of videos, but. Um, they're reporting a lot of a lot of Canadian doctors are dying. They're just dropping dead mm-hmm. from the shots. Yep, airline pilots too. It's, uh, it's horrible. It's horrible mm-hmm. what happened. Now uh, you would think. So. so here's a good question for you. You would think that doctors of all people would know how dangerous that jab is. Why are they taking it? Well, I'll give you an example. My girlfriend in Miami. She's a pharmaceutical. Her husband is a doctor. Her son is a doctor. Her mm-hmm. daughter is a lawyer. They all took the vaccine, all of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, the son, he's dating this Jewish girl, and they're debating back and forth if they're going to marry each other or not because she says, absolutely, I will never take not one vaccine, not even a flu shot, nothing. And mm-hmm. if we're going to get married, my children will not take a vaccine. So they're going back and forth. So the mom has asked me, can you please send me some of the videos that you've been sharing or whatever to mm-hmm. send them to my son? And right. he's a stinking doctor. I mean, what is wrong with him? You know? Yeah. And uh, they're all going to regret She's kind of regretting it a little bit, my girlfriend. I said, you better start taking ivermectin or you're going to collapse, you know? So they're supposed to be taking me on a cruise in December to Europe, but I don't think I'm leaving the country. I mean, for free. They, they buy my ticket and everything, but 
I don't I don't think I want to be out of the country at all at this time until Donald Trump returns. I'm not moving anywhere. I'm not going nowhere, you know, traveling. Talk to not Shelby. at all. Talk to Shelby. She's still, you know, we're still friends. She's still in the, no, in the group no, chat. No, no, no. I don't have to talk she to anyone. She knows the I know better. Okay. No, 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 no. Yeah. I know better. I'm not going nowhere because I don't know when the thing is going to hit. The whole commotion's coming. The cabal is coming down. And I don't want to be in another country when this happens. I want to be right here in my home. So okay. I'm not going nowhere. I'd go. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. No. I mean, I like hanging out here because I want to see what's going to happen. Already. I'm like, yeah. let's see. Well, first of all, I'm not, getting one, mm-hmm. I'm not getting one of those things up my nose. No way. No one is coming near my nose. I don't think you have things. to. As, I think Europe's changed. I don't think they have. you do. They do? Yeah, yeah. Check it out. I don't think they have testing anymore, and I don't think they have mandatory, and I don't think they have mandatory jabs anymore, and they don't have vaccine passports. All that stuff's gone. No, but it's not gone, because some of our militaries are still trying to be forced to get the vaccine. I have a friend from uh, my church. He's from Nigeria, Mm -hmm. very Mm -hmm. friend of ours, and I've been guiding him for for the whole year and a half to not get the vaccine, and, and he's, like, holding on. In the military now, he's almost forcing him. Well, if you want to go home, you have to be vaccinated. And so he's not going to get the vaccine. And I, uh, I don't know if I send you the video or not, but this young military guy, he's supposed to, he said, well, if you don't want to take the COVID, at least take the flu shot. So they insist that he take the flu shot. And one, while he was in line trying to take the flu shot, they gave him on purpose the COVID shot. Yeah. That's what they yep. did to these young military men. And that's what our criminal government is doing. Forcing people out of their own, you know, he, 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 he didn't have a free will to take this vaccine. And he told them, I want religious exempt. And they didn't want to accept it. And he talked to the chaplain and all that. He said, well, at least get the flu shot. And they fooled him. But you know what? I hope this young man is turning around and sue this government. But, you know, his life is ruined. Well, he'll be yeah. dead. Period. Well, not necessarily. Yeah. You know, the more I hear from Judy Mikevitz, the more, you know, and in fact, she, she criticized. The reason I don't play my, uh, uh, my public service announcement mm-hmm. that, where I said that, uh, you know, there's no turning back once you take the, the COVID jab. Well, apparently yeah, she says that's not true. Hope. So it's it's never going to be perfect, but it, there's a lot of you can greatly greatly reduce. I don't know how much ninety ninety five percent whatever, but you can greatly reduce mm-hmm. the effects of the jab by simply following uh, her health programs. And so the other ones too. Vitamin C. Yep, yeah. vitamin C, vitamin yeah. D, ivermectin, um, zinc, uh, and she's got some powders, some special mixtures of of things that uh, natural ingredients that <laughs> that minimize the effect of the jab and stop the blood clots and stop some other things, and the, the shedding yeah. of the spike proteins, and also good for your heart, and that's that's one of the biggest problems. Yeah, you know, I am I am so glad <laughs> that, uh, and I'm not a big person for medical procedures as you know, but I did consent yeah. to open heart surgery to repair a valve. After talking to five doctors, three of whom were, were you know, specialists. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went for Stanford. I went to Stanford Medical. I mean, I went to the top doctors in the country. Yeah. You know, and they they had the time for me because this is major surgery. They said, yeah, well, let's take a look. Let's see the charts. And they they got my EKGs and all that kind of stuff. And they uh, talked to me, looked it over, and said, okay, well, here's what we think. And they all said the same thing. I'm like, okay, I got a consensus. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it was unanimous. You know, it was five five out of five said, yeah, you better do this now. I'm like, okay, uh-huh. <laughs> you know. And so I did, but I'm really glad <laughs> I did it before COVID. 
you know, because I did this back in, yeah. uh, in fact, we, we just, uh, in fact, the, the 24th of, of this month, so we're talking like another week and a bit, that's my, my sixth anniversary of open heart surgery. Oh, wow. Yeah. Getting thinner, getting healthier. You no, I'm bike riding twice a week. Uh, no, did I survive? I'm doing fine. I just got to lose yeah. some weight. Good. But I've got, uh, but yeah. I'm bike riding. I'm in the gym. You know, I do three hour radio show. I work constantly, <laughs> you know, so for, for, uh, you know, uh, for, for a person of my vintage, you know, which, is, yeah. which is your vintage minus a year, you know, um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way it turned out. I mean, it still caused me a lot of health problems. It was, mm-hmm. it was about a five year recovery. Uh, so people need to know if you do this kind of major surgery, you're in for a long haul. Yeah. Uh, um, but then I'm still yeah. recovering with the weight because I gained like 150 pounds, but overall, I have no heart murmur. My heart is strong as hell. I went for uh, uh, my normal 13-mile bike ride. I wasn't the slightest bit winded when I came back. I was sore because I'm sitting mm. on a bicycle seat. You know, but, uh, but as far as wind, as far as my lung power and, and lung capacity and, and blood flow, it's better than it's ever been. Good for you. Good. Yeah, I'm really happy. You well, healthy. I do. I eat very mm-hmm. healthy. I just eat too much healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I eat too much food. <laughs> no, I, I eat really good you know, food. I have the best, you know, best diet the in the world. Problem. I just, you know. It's just too much of it. That's the problem in America. Yeah, yeah, People working on that too. People eat way too much. Yeah, when I yeah. when I go to restaurants, mm-hmm. the whole table is full of food to feed an army. There's yeah, only exactly. like three people. And they it's waste sad. a lot. When, yeah. you go, when you go to the Ukraine, they only have little plates. You don't see big plates like here. Mm-hmm. You can repeat and get a little more. But when you have a little plate, you don't get a lot of food. So when I first took this uh, translator to a restaurant in Kiev, he was like in shock to see a big plate with food in his in front of him. Wow! It's <laughs> like, well, oh my we, God, but I it, have it's, never seen a big plate. But it's part yeah. of our culture. It's interesting. You want to talk about food because you look at the size of the plates and look at the portions. And I remember the movie Super Size. We're and, well, it's not the gluttons, but I think it's part of our culture to have a lot of food in front of you because they waste half of it. I mean, a lot of restaurant food gets tossed yeah. and we pay for that. We pay yeah. for that wastage in higher prices, but yeah. it is a cultural thing that Americans want it to see is. a big plate of food, even if they don't yep. eat it. You know, I mean, I'll take it home. I used to. Uh, uh, I went to. Yeah. Uh-huh. Greg, I went to Golden Corral. I haven't been back in years. Right. Uh, maybe like three years. I haven't been back there. Because they closed, they remodeled, and COVID, and it was a disaster. They couldn't find help. And anyway, they're open. I know the manager there and all that. And the prices went up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But it's all you can eat on Sunday. Oh, my God. You should have seen the plates of food on people, and half is going in the garbage. Oh, yeah, they're They don't eat it all. No, then they no. In fact, you shouldn't. For this and this and this and that. It's horrible. Horrible. Yeah. It yeah. breaks my heart, so I really don't like to go to places like that because I used to go to bed hungry. So many nights, I remember just smearing a little bit of oil and salt in order for us to survive at night mm-hmm. to go to yep. bed yep. hungry. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't throw food away in my house. Oh, no. We have leftovers if we have to have it for two or three days. I don't throw food away. It's just it's in the back of my head. I went to bed hungry. And we are going to be hungry again in America because this government is destroying about 120, 150 uh, food chain uh, companies. They're burning them down through, uh, with small little planes like fake planes or drones. They're burning them on purpose. 
the Mississippi, some of the areas where a lot of the rice farming is going on, they have dry, no water, so there's not going to be planted water there. And also California. Just, oh, I'll tell you about California water. Yeah. yeah. Do you know who's really good on yeah. California water is Devin Nunez. Devin Nunez is from Fresno. <clears throat> That's the raising capital of the world. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about Devin, mm-hmm. I used to listen to him before he was, uh, you know, really well known because of his work right. on the Judiciary Committee. But when I listened to Devin Nunez back in the 90s, uh, and so I was still in California, and he was really big on water, and that was the big thing in California. See, California, because of, it's actually federal law, but California doesn't object to it, they have a, what's called yeah. a snowpack. You know, so the snowpack in the Sierras is like 30 feet thick. <laughs> you know, they got like 30 feet of snow up mm. in the mountains. This is where nobody goes, right? So it's just they have this amazing yeah. snowpack. They get this incredible amount of snow. Well, all that snow melts in the spring. This is where you get those I don't know if you've ever been to Yosemite, but you go to Yosemite in the spring and these gorgeous waterfalls. It's all freezing water. It freezes all over mm-hmm. you, too. So it's, it's really kind of cool. It's in my yeah. water. Anyway, so you, I, love Yos- I love Yosemite. Yosemite is incredible. Anyway, the point being that the San Joaquin and the Sacramento River fill with this snowpack. And it used to be pumped out, you know, and, and, and given to all the farmers. And California had the best agriculture in the world. California fed a good portion of the world itself because of this snowpack and this incredibly good soil that they have. You know, it's all glacial, you know, created soil and, and the whole middle uh, of California, the San Joaquin Valley. It's absolutely gorgeous farmland. It's wonderful. Um, same thing around Monterey, Watsonville, where you get all your celery and strawberries and, you know, walnuts and almonds mm-hmm. and things like that from. They all come from uh, the Salinas, uh, Watsonville area around Monterey. Another fabulous you know, plain, you know, glacier created, all that. But the problem is that they take all this water and instead of, uh, you know, they used to pump it out and, and transfer it to the farmers on its way to, uh, to the ocean. They say, nope, can't do it now. Got to let it go. Got to preserve the snail darter, basically an anchovy. So it's a pizza topping. So they take this stupid little fish that isn't native anyway, that's been eaten by other non-native species, you know, and so uh, and they, they, they won't pump the, the water out. They won't filter it because, oh, no, we've got to preserve the snail darter. OK, you know, so it's, it's a useless fish that uh, and I'm for preserving fish. OK, but it's not native here. If it were native, that would be something. No. I'd say, OK, great. Pump it from somewhere else. So they got so you've got the entire Sierra Nevadas. You've got the entire yeah. Sacramento and San Joaquin Rivers. You've got a million places they can pump from that don't have snail darters and they could put all this water where it's supposed to be on the farms. And, and, and in the yeah. homes, and they would be fine. They wouldn't need the Colorado River, which is, you know, I think it's, it's, it's allocated more than the actual flow of the Colorado River, but they've got all the water they need. They, they could probably use hydropower a lot better, speaking of green energy, but they've got all the water to, feed the, to, to go to the farms and feed the people of this country many times over, but they don't because they don't want food produced from the water. They want it to go into the Pacific Ocean where it becomes salty and therefore useless in terms of irrigation. God, God has provided everything in the land mm-hmm. right here in America. Everything mm-hmm. we need. Everything. Mm-hmm. Well, they say it's God's These country for These people are demonic. Yep. These people are demonic, evil, corrupt criminals that they want to destroy everything inside in America. Everything, mm-hmm. including well, human deal. life. Yeah, they're like locusts. No, this is, they come in, no, no, steal no, everything, people. and leave. Yeah, this is right. worse than communists. What's no. happening to America? It's a lot worse than communist. Oh no, I'd rather have communist than what this. Yeah, no, I lived through communist. This is this is nothing. Oh no, communist. I can handle this. This is pure evil. They want to starve people. They want to murder you with the vaccines. They want to inject it in cows now. 
in Finland, they're injecting the COVID vaccine in cows so people can get the vaccine through the meat. This is horrible. Well, especially considering COVID doesn't cause problems. You know, 99.9% of the people aren't affected by COVID, aren't, aren't seriously affected. So they're, they're injecting people for nothing. It's a nothing disease. It's a nothing virus. And they've no, created they another one. No, they just want people to be injected with this crap that they're injecting people. COVID, mm-hmm. is, COVID is not even a virus. COVID, Karen Kingston, I think I sent you the video. She's our friend. I'm trying to get her on the show, actually. Okay, that'd be know. good. I think she yeah. changed her number. I think she changed her number because I've been reaching to her different times. So finally, I reached to her girlfriend, Cindy. Yeah. We spent time together in, in uh, Missouri last year, and we had a great time together. Yeah. And uh, we went everywhere together. We had breakfast together. We had a great time together. And uh, we had a group of uh, uh, the girls. Uh, and Vanners, I can never pronounce on it. Vanners oh, Vanderstiel? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, here's yeah, the thing, we too. Had if, uh... with Karen, with her, Mel Kay. Yeah, it was awesome. Wow. If you Cowboys can keep this hour, this, if you can keep the eight to nine hour, on Tuesdays, you could bring on guests. You can bring on anybody you want. So if you can, if this works for you, you know, we can expand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this would be perfect. Yeah. Then we'd have uh, Brianna at eight, you at nine. I mean, Brianna at seven, you at eight, uh, and then an open hour at nine o'clock for for guests, callers, you know, things like that. Stuff I want to talk about. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so okay, good, great. I'll make a change. I shall make a change in the schedule. Thank you both. So I sent her just... a message um, uh-huh. through Cindy, our friend, and uh, for her to reach back at me. I know she's been very busy going to a lot of shows because she's an ex-Pfizer worker and she knows how to work with all the patents and all. I mean, she's digging so much. It is. No, I want her on the show. Did Does I she have you, our, our bill? Did I send you that video? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, but I'll, I haven't I'll look been able to get a hold of her. Yeah. Did I, you? I told her about uh, did you? Were you able to send her our vaccine product liability bill? Chico, I've been trying to reach her, and but the thing is, I believe that the CDC was after her, so she keeps changing her number. You know what okay. I mean? Okay, no, I believe it. So, and listen, we had some, we mm-hmm. had another whistleblower on the world's greatest doctor panel. I don't remember it being uh, Karen; it was somebody else. But um, so the, those folks are out there, and they definitely need protection. Yeah. But there's, in fact, there's yeah. a huge, um, there's a big Zoom meeting, there's a big press conference. I think it's going on in Washington um, after the show at uh, 10 o'clock. So that'd be 11 o'clock Eastern time. Oh, yeah. Uh, where a bunch of military folks, and then, well, Captain Tom Stewart told me about it. And so I, I get a Zoom invite, which is kind of cool. But I don't know if it's, it's going to be publicly available. It should be. It should be televised for One American it News, Newsmax. It probably is, but I guess I get to get it on my computer. Let me uh, tell you, them, this Democrat uh-huh. Party is going down. Down. Well, they know it. Let's, let me They're ask you the big ep- question. Go ahead. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. Well, here's no, the question. Ahead, ask me the question. Okay, so here's the question of the show. This is something that occurred to me last night. My question for the show today is, why didn't the GOP campaign for a two-thirds majority in Congress to be able to reverse everything that Brandon did? I keep hearing about this red wave. You know, oh, the red wave's coming. Man, it's a red tsunami. You know, the Republicans are going to take over Congress. I said, great. And then I'm thinking to myself, because well, I don't know, we had we started hearing about tsunami. this about a month ago. We had a Go red ahead. tsunami in 2020, and it was stolen. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know they're, it's stolen. They're in shock. But that's not, they're in shock that's not the question. How many, how many states? I know. Well, you know. And it was people, stolen by the Republicans. The Republicans stole the election for the government. It wasn't just the Democrats. Well, they worked together on this. You will find out later. 
this was on okay. purposely. Let, let, them, let them. Yeah, I don't believe it. No, this was on purposely done, and there was a lot of players on this. And mm-hmm. Jeff Session, he's still on Trump's side. He he never left Trump. It's all a play. So yep. uh, Bill Barr, he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. No, nope, not people. convinced. So, you... so as we move into oh, the conspiracy okay. report. <laughs> all right, I want to, I want to talk to you about conspiracy since you oh, uh, please. don't believe oh. anything like this. No, um, it's not that. No, wait a minute. It's not that I don't believe it. I want I want proof. I want confirmation. I want some evidence because I think that's well, fatally flawed. Because they're waiting too long, but that's just my philosophy. Go ahead. What about the nine uh, nine eleven? Do you believe or, that our government planted the whole thing? I I think that there was absolutely a terrorist plot. I think, as as Claire Lopez told us, it absolutely came out of Iran. I believe that the Saudis were recruited. And they were brought here for the purpose of flying airplanes into buildings. <clears throat> what I don't believe uh-huh. is that the airplanes brought down the buildings. I don't believe that. Exactly. I, You're I right. don't believe that you can fly an airplane. Cause I, but I believe up until that point, it, it makes sense. So here's where I draw mm-hmm. the line. So I draw the line that the, the, yeah. the Saudi pilots sponsored by Iran flew, uh, who went to the flight schools to learn how to fly and not land, flew those airliners into those buildings. But uh, again, if you hit the top of a building – there's no reason for that to bring down the whole building. If exactly. anything, it's going to collapse from the very top. It's not. You're right. It looked like in the, now. Here's the thing, though. If you look at the video, the initial videos had it collapsing from the bottom. Now the videos show it collapsing mm-hmm. from the top. So something's happened. Something's changed. The yeah. other thing, a couple well, things that are. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, the other thing is Building Seven. Building Seven mm-hmm. of the World Trade Center was brought down by nothing. <laughs> there was no airplane that hit it, and yet that collapsed also. Mm-hmm. So you had the two main towers, and then you had Building 7. You also have the Pentagon, where I still can't find a single picture of, of any airplane wreckage around the Pentagon. Not one. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then there's yeah. Pennsylvania. I, have, I don't remember if there's no airplane wreckage around that. I think there might have been, but I'm not sure. I can check that again. Yeah. But it's from, the Pentagon was hit by a missile, not a plane at all. Well, see, I don't know. They're, what, see, this is, what, this is where a... I draw the line. Okay? So my line is that I know... I, I, I don't believe it was an airliner because I don't see any evidence of it. Uh, I no. don't know what hit it. It could be a missile. That makes sense. Now, let's, let's go to another great conspiracy, TWA, Flight 800. I know that was brought down by a missile. How do I know? Because there were all kinds of, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of ships in the area with you know, anti-aircraft missiles, and they were doing a military at exercise time. at the time, yeah. right under Our TWA government Flight is behind this whole thing, Greg. Well, but so then, let's, so, so then let's ask the question, why? You've got to ask the question, why? So, so Flight 800, well, the reason I believe Flight 800 was brought down by a missile, because no other 747 has ever had a problem with their center fuel tank exploding except for that one airplane. So you can't tell me that the fuel system's bad or the fuel tank is bad when no other airplane has experienced it. That doesn't make sense. So there's my line. Well, what happens is we've been living through lies after lies after lies. The Oklahoma bombing, our government did it. The shooting well, in Columbine, no. our government did it. Yeah, see, this is, the I don't. In, all the shootings, wait, wait, wait. All okay. the shootings in America are well organized by CIA, FBI. Our government mm-hmm. is behind this whole thing. The killing of that. Kennedy, yep. our government organized. The FBI, oh, I believe CIA. That. Nixon, Nixon, mm-hmm. uh, Bush, mm-hmm. the old man, uh, 20 CIA, top secret. This whole thing, we've been living through lies after lies after lies. So 
Anyway, I was watching this uh, guy, and I cannot think of his name. He looked like he's from uh, the Middle East, super sharp, intelligent guy that he's on YouTube all the time. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent guy. I cannot think of his name at the moment. But he was interviewing a bunch of people. He had a whole panel of people. And um, according to his show that I was watching, and this guy is very careful when he invites guests. He just doesn't invite anybody. Uh, but American businessman named Larry Silverstein, he signed a 99-year lease agreement with the World Trade Center in June 2001. Two months later, that's when the attacks happened. Silverstein took out insurance, and the plan was to cover terrorist insurance. So, <laughs> just listen to this. So, no, I'm, I'm right terrorist with you. I'm listening. Insurance, yep. Terrorist insurance. And then he took the, the insurance company because the insurance company didn't want to pay. And uh, he took him to court. And he says, I think I should get paid twice because there were two attacks, not one. <laughs> okay. There was I one attack where there were two airplanes. So he got, so he got from the insurance company. billion in his pocket, okay? So this is is suspicious. A few months before the attack, this guy is buying terrorist insurance. I I didn't know you could buy terrorist insurance, you know, but that's it. I guess you can buy any kind of insurance, but it's really suspicious. It's like a short sale when people know a stock is going to drop, so they short sell it. Yeah. You know, that's what that's what they do in Congress. You know, well, here's another one, too, that uh, that sort of uh, Im- implicates the government. In on it. The, there was only the, the entire every airplane in the United States was grounded right after, nine, mm-hmm. right after the 9-11 attacks. Every airplane was grounded except one. Except do you know one? which one? Except one. Do you know which one that was? No. Do you know which which flight got out within a couple of days of 9-11? The one that uh, I think George Bush um, chartered or had F4. or a military plane, F1. Osama bin Laden. No, it was Osama bin Laden's family was flown out of the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can look that up too. Bush, I can, I can do a quick internet check. To America, and like I say over and over, us Latinos and people from other countries, we always admire the United States. Oh, the United States is so good, it's so clean, respectful, obeyed laws and all that. We did not have a clue until Donald Trump walked in how corrupt the system has been. But now they're in your face. Before they were closed behind doors, closed doors. Now it's like they don't care if you know or not. We're communists and we're coming after you. The FBI is torturing. They're doing all kinds of stuff. The FBI, CIA are criminal crooks. And they, they're not on our side. So is FEMA not on our side either. Yep. You know, the FEMA, the FEMA huge ship, he, they stay right there with Venezuela in the Venezuelan waters, right there. Yeah. This is corrupt. Yeah. They're all behind all this, all this what's going on, weather, weather manipulation. And believe it or not, it's been going on for a long time. Well, you can, okay, you can you influence will. weather, but you can't completely manipulate. Now, you can seed class with silver iodide, silver nitrate. We've talked about that. Uh, we've, but, and we've talked about okay, uh, the 1947 okay. hurricane 
but you can't actually completely change the weather. You can, they, they, they can have an effect on it. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But now, so you're talking chemtrails? That, Chemical not thing. only that, but they're, okay. they're doing special, they're grinding fine, fine glass. They mix it together with metal. For some reason, they're using plasma. And if you notice, our town... Yeah, I'm not sure about that either. But that's, I'm skeptical on that one, yeah. Uh, well, the doctor, Doctor Doctor Deagle, Deagle, he's an ex-military whistleblower doctor, and uh, he's explained, and there's well, no reason for be, him to be lying. You, well, actually, no, there is. There's a lot of reasons for people to lie, but you got to be really careful of your sources. This is where I say, you know, I, I won't immediately discount what you say, but I want to put it through my logic and reason filter. I want to make sure that there are sources, that there are more than one source. You know, this is actually this is actually well, journalism. You know, and so you say, okay, so if you make a claim, I'm not going to discount it, but I am going to analyze it, okay? I don't believe there's broken glass, ahead, you know, being distributed. I don't know. I'm, well, I do. I don't know where on an airplane you'd put a chemical tank on an airliner. They have you know, tanks. They have. Where? They have where in the airplane? Huge, huge tanks. They, they where, have. Where are you going to put it? Like C-130s. Wait. Uh-huh. They have like C-130s. They have huge tanks inside full of these chemicals. Oh, yeah, it's right. been going on for years and years and years. Oh, yeah. And it's, nobody in the military has come yeah. forward and said anything about this? What's happening is they've been telling a lot of these young kids that they use that this is to help the earth, global warming, and, and the kids believe it. And they've been fooling. That's what the doctor was saying. They go along with it, and nobody says anything. It's a hush. But he came forward. This guy, he tells it all. Yeah, this doctor, ex-military. And I guess they're they're a little bit afraid of him. They haven't come after him, he says. He said mm-hmm. he knows a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I say you need to invite him in the show. Dr. No, I'll, I'll have anybody on the show. I, I'd love to get people on um, who have, have yeah. this kind of information. Let's let's talk. But I'm going to ask him questions. I'm going to find Mike out. And Adams, Mike Adams, yeah. he was talking mm-hmm. about it too. Mm-hmm. He said they've been manipulating our weather for years. For why? years. Why? Cause rain? Did you, did you see how much rain we had in, in this area? Nonstop. Mm-hmm. They but manipulated the hurricane. hurricane. So, but what's the, what's the rainfall? No, no. So, in it other words, if there's more, to kill all that. Okay, whatever. No, no. no wait a minute. No, no. They, no. Follow they, it through. If if there's more rain, as you say, they, where is the what's the average rainfall been this year? Because we didn't have a hurricane, which brings huge amounts of rain. We had all kinds of thunderstorms, which bring huge amounts of rain, but we had them over time. So my question is, what is the rainfall this year compared to last year and the year before? Has it appreciably lot, increased? Well, has it? We had a lot more rain because they're manipulating the clouds. Well, let's find, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You no. gotta, you gotta, you gotta look it up. You can't just say it. So here's the thing too. Now here I found a website, CBS News, a well-respected national news organization. Wait, wait, let me finish. Well, wait a minute. This is CBS News. Wait a minute. But here's what it says. Listen to this. This is September 30th, 2001. This is right after 9/11. Bin Laden family Uh evacuated. It says two dozen members of Osama bin Laden's family were urgently evacuated from the United States in the first days following the terrorist attacks on New York and Washington, according to the Saudi ambassador in Washington. One of Bin Laden's brothers uh-huh. frantically called the Saudi Arabian embassy in Washington looking for protection. <laughs> Prince uh-huh. Bandir al-Bin Sultan <laughs> told the New York Times. Okay? So we know that the Bush family 
evacuated the uh, Bin Laden family. Now, why would they do that? Oh, I thought you were finding something about the weather. <laughs> no, well, that's my next project. That's my next project. But, but because we well, look, I dragged up the source. I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> You know, so so okay. it, that's my confirmation. So we know Bin Laden's oh, family was flown out of here. My question is why? Why would the one airplane that left the United States be having Bin Laden's family on it? And I got, I got you a and source. Also, hey, also, remember the uh, bombing when the runners, trying to think where was that? Remember that year when the, they had a race in the street and there were bombing with the, with the pressure cooker and all that stuff? So this is Boston uh, Marathon. Boston, Boston. Uh, that was the yeah. that was the Chechens. Well, guess what? There were three, three that did the bombing. Okay, and one of them was the was he had something to do with the the son of the prince of South Arabia. Mm-hmm. And Obama, and Michelle, no, Michelle Obama came to the hospital because he has minor injuries. They rushed him to the hospital, and the media did not cover it at all. And they snuck him out of the country. So he didn't have to face no charges, no nothing, nada. Just the other two brothers or whatever, I think they were brothers. So let me tell you, we've been living through lies after lies after lies. NASA's involved in this weather manipulation. NASA's involved. That's why we had a lot of snow in Texas. And they found a lot of ground, grind glass with mix of metal in the snow. They wanted to kill as many cattle as possible so we can be forced to not to buy meat that comes from Texas that is coming from China now, injected. It, it, let me tell you, it's all going to be out in the light, all of it. People are going to okay. be in shock with child trafficking, food poison, vaccine poison. Uh, the, 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 the virus was not COVID virus. Karen just discovered through a lot of patents that she's been going through. Mm-hmm. I've seen you in a video. You need to watch it. Very good. Uh, she has okay. discovered this is a bioweapon attack into the humanity. She says it's not even a virus. No, hmm. it was a flu. People had the flu, like you and me have been talking about it for a long time. Well, yeah, we talked about it. John but, Cullen talked about it. Judy Mikevitz talked about it. Yeah. I'm just looking up. Uh, I got yeah. some current results here for temperature. So temperature in Pensacola, where we live here, and beautiful, uh, in the, the Gulf Coast of Florida, you know, on the magnificent Gulf of Mexico, the average temperature, uh, average temperatures here in 2021 was 78. <laughs> you know, uh, 2020 was 80. 2019 was 80. 2018, 78. <laughs> 17, 80. Mm-hmm. 16, 79. You know, seeing a pattern here, 2015, 78, 2014, 76, that was a cold year, 2013, 77, 2012, 79, 2011, 78, 2010, 76. So the temperature seems pretty constant. I don't see a lot of variation there. Let's talk That's about okay. number of days each year when the temperature is going to turn blue. Rain. Oh, here what we about go. rain? Uh, rain. Okay, so rain. This table gives total precipitation that fell on Pensacola during the year from 2010. So in 2010... We had 111. We had uh, 63 inches of rain. Uh, 2011, we had 48.7 inches of rain. 2012, 66.7. Hmm, pretty consistent. 2013 was a lot, 74.6. 2014, even more, 83.2. 2015, 75.7. 2016, 64.7. 2017, ooh, big year, 92 uh, inches of rain. 2018, 90 inches of rain. 2019, 52. <laughs> you know, 2020, 76, and 2021, 88. So the biggest rainfall years were not 
the last couple because of manipulation. They were actually 2017, 2018, and the other big year, uh, 2014, was pretty big, and that's it. But the biggest years were 17 and 18. That's when the hurricane, remember Hurricane Sally that came through? That was 2018. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I yeah. I had I have my mother-in-law's Cadillac underwater outside. Nothing we could do. And mine came very close. Uh, there was beautiful antique cars in my neighborhood. Yeah. Five cars underwater, baby. Oh, Four. No, I, hate, I hate losing cars. Antique cars. Yeah. Oh gosh, it was devastating for this young man and his father, losing about well, four or five antique they cars. They should have driven him out of town. Yeah. You know, I mean, they should, or driven to higher well, ground. Well, they didn't know if the thing was going to be that bad. We didn't know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. you don't get a lot of warning. Oh. Well, there, there's the cone yeah. of confusion. <laughs> it is the where they think it's going to go. Um, but we, we uh-huh. get Sally. Maybe Sally was maybe that wasn't it. I don't when, when was, I thought Sally was only two years ago. I thought it was 2020. I could be wrong. Let's, let's look at her. Sally. Greg? Okay, go ahead. Yep. Yeah. We went through Andrew in Miami, and uh, it was bad. But when all the truth gets released, people are going to be, they're not even know if they're going to cry or just angry. When everything comes out about this whole corruption of weather manipulation, children trafficking, what they're doing to these little kids, and not even just kids, but adults. It is horrible. Horrible. I got pictures that I will not share with people because I got them from my friends. It's yeah. bad. It's it's horrible, horrible, horrible what they're doing to humans in Hollywood stand behind this. I can hardly wait to see Disney World shut down. Victoria's Secret will be shut down. All these places are going to be shut down when the truth gets released of all the child trafficking and mutilation and torture in, in, in the White House underneath the, uh, the uh, Capitol. I mean, it's like a whole new city underneath. Uh, the White House connected to the Capitol, connected to the, all this has been going on for years and years and years mm-hmm. and years. Now, all I've been under the Capitol. Okay, I've been under the Capitol. I've, I've ridden the, the Senate railway. Uh, so, okay, so you know, yeah. But it's, it's, I used it's, to play it's, in the basement, yeah. <laughs> oh, there you down, go, yeah. Down in the box. It's, it's, I haven't been to all the secret rooms, though, down there, but I, I have been down there. So there is, there is a whole world under the Capitol. See, that's where I think oh, the two yeah. took place. Okay, but I don't see – go ahead. And I heard that all these demons like Obama, the Biden, George Soros, they have underground, like they're preparing because what they want to do, they already have in place in different areas in America. Like they have nuclear in different containers in different cities to murder so many people. And they're prepared to go live underground. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. the, in the bunker. They, but you still have to homes, ask yourself, you have to ask yourself, why? Why would they do this? What does America gain? Why would you bring in 100 million illegal aliens you know, and kill off all the Americans? The illegal aliens need the Americans to work for them, to, you know, to pay for their, you know, their illegal stuff. One of, one of my Sunday school class, uh, older woman, she's the wife of my teacher. Why? Why would they want to kill us with this vaccine? Mm-hmm. You know, because so I'm many asking are the same question. in my church. Yeah, no, I'm asking the same question. Here's the irony, though. Why would they they're, want to wipe out? But they're killing off the government-compliant people. They're killing off the sheep. 
They're killing off the people that will say, yes, government, tell me what you want. They're, they're actually creating more resistors like us because we're the ones that know it's a bunch of nonsense. We're the ones that know that it was dangerous from the beginning. So they're actually keeping us resistors by us resisting <laughs> the, the jab, and they're affecting the, the compliant people. So why would they want to do that? That's exactly the opposite of what they want. They don't want people who want to resist. They want the sheep. They want the blue pill people. This is why you got to question these They're things. all landed with the Mason Illuminati. No. They want to control. Yeah, yes. Well, they, they do want to control, but I don't think these groups have as much control as you think they do. That's the difference. Yes, so let me. We got Pianka in the line oh, too. Yeah. So let me let me ask you the big question. They do. Uh, the whole, okay. Well, they yeah. Do. Okay. Well, like I say, we disagree on that, but that's okay. I, I love disagreeing. Um, but here's the, the question Masons that I want to. The and the Illuminati—they've been controlling in the banks, the Rothschilds. They've been controlling humanity with the Queen, the Pope, United Nations. That's who owns us. All of us. Nope, oh, yes. nobody owns me. Don't believe it. Nope, it's not true. Yes, they do. Mm-mm. You know, Greg, now that I became a state national, I have to be released with a professional letter. I have to be released from the United Nations, from the Pope. No, you don't. No. From, Did that cost from, you any money, by the way? Yes. Did that cost you any money to become a, yes. a sovereign state citizen? How much did it cost? Nothing. No money. The only, huh. the only money is to download the, uh, the official uh, paperwork. But see, it's like not official. There is no official paperwork for this. This doesn't yes, exist. This is a made-up thing. Yes. By is. what authority? Yeah. I'm By what authority you. did you did you revoke your United States citizenship and become a state citizen? By what authority did you do that? Uh, we we have an office. In, the main office is in Miami. But uh, what's the power? Who authorizes this? My my, we have an assembly. And mm-hmm. my husband just sent all his pa- military paperwork to be released from the military, from different units, mm-hmm. uh, like five or six different areas that he has to send his letter certified, uh, mm-hmm. notarized, fingerprint, everything. So in order for me to be free from this corrupt corporation that we've been living under for 150 years, mm-hmm. I have to be released from the United Nations, from the Pope, and from uh, England. Yep, yeah. and none of that's true. Yeah. None of that is true. That's it a bunch of nonsense. True. No, no, it's okay. not. Did you get your passport yet? No, I have yeah, to get you my passport. No, no, listen. When I get released from the three uh, corporation corruption that we were sold to, uh, uh, so I'll be applying for my passport. But I already got my ID. We have a whole team of people with their ID. Um. It's, you guys it's, try I, to I use a passport to get on an airline, let me know. <laughs> what? What I'm did not you laughing say? at you, Jesse. Go ahead, Bianchi. That's a good point. What? So when what you try you to use a passport to get on an airline, let me know how it turns out. It's going to be like a regular passport. No, it won't. Have you ever talked Have you ever talked to a Cherokee Indian or Native America? No, I'll, we, yeah, we had Dan uh, Skyhorse on the show for a couple of years. I'm trying to get him back. I worked for him, and they pulled out they pulled out documents that indicated it was U.S. citizen. <clears throat> but I yeah. also know a people who had one of those those type of passports and tried to get on an airline and go uh, out of the matter. country. It's, it's a United States go. passport. No, it's, it's not. It's going to be a United States passport. Yeah. Oh, nope. yeah. It's not. It's My not. ID that I have right now. In mm-hmm. the back of it, all you have to do is scan it, and all the information pops up, everything. <laughs> there, there's two places where you can scan my ID now, 
and everything. So wait a minute. So you did something to remain private, and yet you have all your information on the back that can be scanned. This doesn't make sense. No, when I if I get stopped by the police, everything pops up right away, so they can check it. Yeah. So so there's no privacy then. Wait a minute. So there's no privacy. This is on your your plate license on your car. What is that? Eventually, we don't have to have a plate license. But I'm not, okay. I'm not, it's going to take about six months to eight months to officially, we can, uh, okay, so we let me know when we need to, let me know when we need to call, uh, Mosley. Okay, so when we need to call Jonathan Mosley, you know, to get we you out of jail. We don't want lawyers, no. Okay, so when, when you need to make all. a phone call, no. put, put Mosley's number no. in your phone right now. Put, no, <laughs> we don't okay. deal, we don't deal with lawyers at all. No, and you'll okay. find out later why. Yeah, no. Yeah. See, don't. I've known about this movement mm-hmm. for years, and almost everybody in it ends up in jail because what you're doing no. is illegal. I knew some new, I knew some new Warbians who tried to do that. <laughs> and um, it's okay. I was talk, one of them. What they divorced and everything else. Hebrew mm-hmm. Israelites, they divorced, broke it. What they, the wives ran off from them. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. You have and, but to, the funniest thing is when we were going out of the country, boarding the airline, and the, and the flight attendants at the airport wouldn't allow this guy to get on the plane with this passport that he pulled out, supposed to be a universal passport. <laughs> passports are issued by the State Department, folks. <laughs> they check your citizenship. Everything, passports are actually one of the yes, best IDs absolutely. out there. You know, but uh, so. You, this this mm-hmm. made-up passport, this sovereign citizen stuff is a bunch of nonsense. No. We're trying to help you, Josie. We're trying it's to save you a lot of trouble. It comes from the government. Why are you so willing to believe this? Wait a minute. Why are you so willing to believe all this stuff? This is the part I don't understand. Because I don't want to be – because I no longer want to be under this corrupt corporation that we're living under. And, but there is no the corporation. This, there is no corporation. Yes, there is. The United States is a yes, country with a constitution – that is that has been you know ratified by the states. We operate now. It's not always followed, but that's a different issue. But we we are not a corporation. DC is not a yes, corporation. No. Yes. You yes. believe you believe yes. stuff. See, here's my theory. My theory is you want to believe no. this kind of stuff, and I'm not sure why. No, no, I'm no. not trying to pick on you, but there is a strong tendency of people to want to believe things. People want to believe in climate change. Therefore, they find reasons for it. You want to believe that the U.S. is a corporation oh, no. and that you can be independent from it with this so-called document. It's simply not true. You want to believe in chemtrails and that airplanes have huge tanks on them, just you know, spraying chemicals everywhere because you see contrails, which are ice crystals in the sky. You want to believe <laughs> that everything is corrupt and everything is bad uh, and the Illuminati and the, and the Rockefellers and everybody else. Now, yeah. they do huge damage, but the Pope is not running the States. He's not. The Queen of England, yes, who's now died with King Charles the and the United, 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 United Nations. Nations. No, they can't. They can't control yeah. us because the Constitution yeah. prevents it. The Constitution is the supreme law land, not the United Nations. Greg, about 150 years ago, our country was sold to the United Nations. No, it wasn't. The England. The England. No, yeah. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Not true. And, the United Nations didn't the exist till. Uh, 1945, Bretton Woods Conference, and it was created in San Francisco. I know. I was a it tour was guide. I used to talk same. about it. No, it wasn't. Nope. Yeah, because you're wrong. Like you're simply, Chelsea, you're wrong. You're completely wrong on this. But what's interesting okay. is how much I you want to believe wrong. it. Okay, but what happened if I'm right? 
Well, you're not. You I don't worry I mean? about it because you're not right. This is not true. But we are not a corporation. Know. We are not owned by the United Nations. We are not controlled by the Pope yes, and, the, and the King of England. We are simply not. We're yep. not. The Rothschild controls all the money. The bank. And how do they do that? Yeah. How do they do that? How do they do we that? We were bought 150 years ago. By yeah. what? We, we who, were, who, who, who bought we us sold. and who did they pay? And, and who, you know, who owned us beforehand? Josie, these secret. then I want to get to Bianchi. Who bought us and who did they buy us from? This country went broke 150 years ago. And, and uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln, he was not very good because he was a lawyer. You're not allowed, you're not supposed to, as a U.S. Government is not supposed to be run by a lawyer, and uh, Abraham was a lawyer. Well, so most of our founding fathers. A lot, a lot of yeah, they're all are illegal. Yeah, that's why uh, there's a lot coming up. Uh, Okay, 150 years ago was 1872. What happened in 1872? How do we get bought? The country went bankrupt. And they sold it to the. What do you mean the country went bankrupt? Did the government go bankrupt, or the country went bankrupt? And so, so nobody had any money. Our population was bankrupt. Yes, the criminal, the criminals, Democrats together with Republicans, sold out this country to these three corporations. Well, it happened. They couldn't do it. They had no authority to do that. They couldn't have done that. So, so if if we were bankrupt. How did we get the Carnegies and the Mellons and the Rockefellers and the Fords? And how did these great industrialists rise a few years later after the industrial? How did we have the Industrial Revolution if we were bought and paid for? Wouldn't they have taken all the profits from this country? If somebody owned this country, if we were owned by the United Nations, the Rothschilds, everybody else, wouldn't they be taking all the money out of the country as their profit? I believe the uh, United Nations controls all our social security. Okay, you're not answering my question. You're not answering my questions. Mm-hmm. And this is why I don't believe what? what you're saying. You're not answering my questions. If we <laughs> okay, were owned by a, okay, but if but you, but you see, you can't prove it because it, you can't even follow. There's no logical pathway. If we were owned by a I foreign corporation, saying, if we were, wait a minute, Josie, let me ask the question. I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna ask you one no. more time. I'm gonna ask you one more time because you have to be able to convince me. If we were owned by a foreign corporation of the Rockefellers, the Illuminati, the Pope, and the King and Queen of England, how did they, they do that? And, and why didn't they take all our money? Why didn't they make us a colony again? Didn't, didn't if they owned us, money. why aren't we a colony? We didn't have money. We went broke 150 years ago. No, we didn't. Ago, we didn't go broke. We didn't go broke. That's not true. No. You're believing things that you want to the, believe. You no, want to no, believe no. this. You yes, you book. do. There, that, look, just pay attention of Donald Trump. Every time Donald Trump is on a rally, what does he say every time? We will give the country back to the people. Okay, that's but metaphorical. That's not physical. Anything. That's uh, the people no, no, have no, the no, country. No. Yeah. no, no, no. Okay, last that's comment. Then I want to get to Bianchi. I want to. I got. I want to talk about our topic of the day. Yeah. So go ahead. Go give it one. That's okay. Give mean. it one more shot. We okay. are going to give back the United States that was stolen to the people. The people own America, but right now we don't own nothing. Nothing. Yeah, but it's okay. That's not true. Okay, that's not true, but it's okay. And uh, we will talk yeah. about this further, but let me, let me get to Pianchi. I have to points. let you go because I, I don't have a girl. Um, probably going to fire her. She's no good. 
She calls. Hey, listen. I yeah. to, I've never gotten my main topic of the show yet. I got 50 minutes left. I got a, I got a show to do. I want to do I got another topic. Anyway, thank you, Josie. I appreciate the okay. discussion. All right. Bye. See you later. Okay. Bye, bye now. Pianki, what do we do with this? I don't know. In the late 18, 1860s, we were just celebrating the Transcontinental Railroad. Yeah. 1869-63. That was so, a marvelous feat. So let me let me ask you the same question I was asking Josie. Why do people want to believe this stuff? I mean, climate change is based on wanting to believe it. Socialism is based on a utopian wanting to believe that it's a better society. You know, all these folks that, uh, that believe these things. Uh, and Josie's not alone. There are millions of people in this country who want to believe that we are a corporation, that we can be sold. And yet not one of those questions was answered. Not one. Because they can't. Because there's, there's no, the, I'm, I'm asking questions purposely that cannot be answered with that theory. That's why I ask them. And because they cannot be answered, they can't prove that this exists. This is a simple logic and reason. I'm not, there's no big mystery here. If we were bought, who bought us and who sold us? If the United Nations is in, is in charge, well, why aren't we a colony of the United Nations? Why aren't we a colony of these other countries? I mean, this is just basic yeah, questions. Yeah, you got people in there. You got people in the far northern hemisphere believe they're going to go up to heaven. You got people in the far southern hemisphere believe they're going to go up to heaven. <laughs> so you don't go up to heaven, you go out to heaven. You can't go up because up is a relative term. But it's which can still go out. the equator there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, now here's the thing, too. So who's to say that heaven isn't either a, uh, a dimension that we don't know? And what if heaven is right here? What if people who are in heaven are literally walking among us in a different dimension that we don't know about because we're, we're only dealing with three dimensions? Uh, well, actually, four with time. Um, but, um, yeah, fifth, sixth, and seventh dimensions. I mean, th- th- just because we can't comprehend them, just because we can't see them, doesn't mean these, these dimensions don't exist. So there's no reason to think that heaven is, well, is, you know, is not a... either here or out as opposed to up. Yeah, human beings always have to have something to uh, fear, mm-hmm. and they always have to have have always had to have something that they consider and they self prescribe is greater than that fear, mm-hmm. until they conquer that fear, like flying, for instance. Yeah. Or until the invention of the three way switch. You know what the three way mm-hmm. switch is in the basement. Three way switch lets you turn the light on. Turn the light off at the top of the stair, and it it uh, lets you turn the light on at the bottom of the stair, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. That way, you don't have to go into the dark basement and be scared. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it, I still get back to this basic premise of what we're talking about. I'll tell you what. Let me um, let me give you a question to ponder for a couple of minutes here. I, I do want to play my stuff and we got another 45 minutes or so. Um, but my question for the, the show is why didn't the GOP campaign for a two thirds majority to reverse Brandon? No one That's what they that. should do. Yeah, I know. But I want, to, I, want, I, want, I want to explore that with you because I think this would be, be a good chat for us. But I haven't played anything yet. I've just been having way too much fun here. So let me uh, play some stuff and I will be right back just a little bit. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. 
Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. Action Radio. Dangerously cool. So I'm thinking about this last night, and of course, as soon as I think of something um, revolutionary or, or whatever, I, I keep wondering why I didn't think of it sooner. But this is what happened. I'm watching over time the, uh, this, this red wave. You know, the Republicans are going to take over huge amounts of Congress. You know, but first it was, oh, we got a few seats, we got a bunch more seats. Now they're saying it's a tsunami, you know, and they're saying that the Democrats are hopeless and this is going to be great and we're going to have all these new, uh, um, new people coming into Congress, you know, that uh, I'm thinking to myself, oh, wait a minute. The goal is to reverse everything Brandon did because Brandon reversed everything good that Trump did and basically destroyed the country. And so my question is, if the Republicans are really the leaders, if they're really going to do something, which I'm not convinced they're going to do, then they should. And if they knew in their internal polling that they were going to have a lot of new representatives and a lot of new senators, why didn't they go for two thirds? Why didn't they make that a goal? Why didn't they make that a priority? Because with a two-thirds majority, they could literally reverse everything. They could cancel all the COVID spending that hasn't been spent. They could stop the borrowing. They could stop the printing of money and stop inflation. They could build the wall. They could put that in the budget and force Brandon to accept it. They could do all kinds of things. Oh, they could restart the spending. They could get the Keystone Pipeline. They could, do, they could improve our supply chain. 
They could start oil drilling again with oil leases. They could overrule everything that Brandon did with a two-thirds majority in both houses. So what happens? They pass the bills. Brandon would veto them. They go back to the House and the Senate. They, they override with two-thirds, and the bills go into effect. Why didn't they do that? Why didn't they talk about it? Why didn't they make it a priority? He's not going to do it, Derek. If you look at past history, they don't do it. You look at the talking points that they bring out, all they are is regurgitated, especially Democrats. Democrats' talking points are regurgitated. depends on who you're talking to. Uh When they're talking to blacks, it's always you're going to have – better schools. It don't happen. Higher teacher pay. It does happen, but the kids don't learn. You know, it's mm-hmm. funny. A kid sit up in the classroom can never earn as much as a teacher that's not teaching them anything. Hmm. Isn't that something? Yeah. Say that again. That's not a profound. I'll make sure I get it. You have children and you have students in the classroom, especially in, in the inner cities, okay. that would never earn as much as the teachers that are teaching them and the teachers that are teaching them are not really teaching them anything. Yeah, that is that is damn profound. That's why I wanted to make sure I got it all. Yeah, I had to think about that for a minute. Yeah, that's very true. That's scary. Well, it proves that uh, you've got educational racism. How's that for a term? I just made that up. So educational racism is purposely putting black students uh, into schools where they cannot succeed uh, with, uh, with Democrat leadership, with substandard public housing, substandard education, and exactly the situation you're talking about. That is, to me, educational racism. You're taking a population of the United States and purposely putting them in a position where they will never, you know, like you say, be able to achieve what the teacher achieves who's on the government payroll, simply because they're not being educated the way the rest of the country is. That is insane. Now, that's, that's where school of choice comes in. Do you remember Wendy Rogers when she was on from Arizona? They have a, they have a $7,000 account. Any parent can get an education independent scholarship. I think it's called EIS, or independent education scholarship. And they can take that money anywhere they want. They can use it for homeschool. They can use it for private school. They can use a combination thereof. They can even give it to their government school. But it's available to every parent of a school-age child. Empowerment Scholarship Account. That's that's an Empowerment Scholarship Account, ESA. Go ahead, Jackie. And you know, uh, Dan Rather was 60 Minutes done a documentary called A National Disgrace. It was on the Detroit Public School around the time of 2007 because the superintendent that was there, her name was Connie Caldwell, and I knew her because she came out of the Normandy School District. Mm-hmm. And it, is this. it revealed the type of, and these school districts are uh, uh, controlled by blacks. They're controlled by blacks. And you just sit there and watch that documentary and you see the politics that's going on, the corruption, the downright out theft, mm-hmm. and the kids are not being, was not being educated. And it was sort of narrating around one student, and I felt so sorry for this young lady. Of course, I wonder what whatever happened to her. Well, she's mm-hmm. practically in, in tears that she don't want to grow up to be a failure. But uh, no, that's just the way it is in these 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 enclaves, and people move out. If you have a population at one time where you uh, eight hundred thousand in the city, the largest black uh, city in the country, now you're down to about three hundred thousand. Your school was uh, population was over 
a hundred thousand, well over a hundred thousand. Now it's probably down around forty-five thousand. Hmm. So that tells something that people are running for it when they get the first chance that they can get. So is this a part of the strategy to keep um, Black Americans poor and living in Democrat-controlled cities run by Black Americans? You know, it, it seems to me that this is engineered. That if you take away that the, the, what they're really trying to do is perpetuate poor black neighborhoods, as opposed to having, you know, blacks move up into middle class or upper class or, or wherever. So unless you're a sports star, you know, or an entertainer, or or a politician. Oh, the money is it? Don't talk about the money's sports. there. Well, sports is, is don't talk, like that's a another exploitation. Well, well yeah, yeah, but there's so another exploitation. Sure, and so is entertainment. You know, everybody's gonna be a rap star. Well, no, you're not. You know, but uh, same thing with radio. I mean, I have no guarantees that this is going to be a multi-million show, listener show. I just think it will be because I think, I think we've got the best ideas. But that has nothing to do with uh, with color or anything like that. It has to do with the ideas. <laughs> you know, but do you do you see that black neighborhoods are, are kept as black neighborhoods for a reason? Because it benefits the Democrats. Yeah, and that way they would do us and we of their conversation and their speeches uh-huh. can be pointed at them. Right. And uh, so well, go ahead. The condition the, the the class condition has to exist. If not, then your talking points don't work. Uh no one can come up and tell me that I need this and then I okay, what do you mean I don't need that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what else you got in your bag? You ever look at so, a bag you ever look into Halloween candy night right. your bag? You look in the mm-hmm. bag, you look for the you look for certain candies. You look for the Snickers bars, right? You look for yeah. the things that you want to miss. The rest of it you do 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 do. So that's the way they their program will become. They wouldn't have anything that would be of interest to somebody who needs it if they were properly educated and was mm-hmm. able to comply with high plan, uh high wage and uh, good jobs. Yeah. But but here's what's interesting, too. So it actually doesn't become an issue of race. If you've got black Democrat leaders, mayors, city council, you know, things like that, running these black Democrat predominantly cities, it's not a racial thing, because if it was a racial thing, the Democrat leaders would immediately become independents, and they would lower taxes and lower regulation, and they'd bring in entrepreneurs. And they'd make a great business environment so that these poor black neighborhoods were, were basically middle class, who knows what neighborhoods. So it's well, not a race question. Yeah, you're right. It's, uh, it's something right. else. Right? Did you know that the people in the city, is there something wrong with their minds? Because uh, for the last, uh, I guess, about three elections in Detroit, they uh, voted for a white mayor. How about that? Yeah. Something how's, that white mayor, how's the white mayor doing? Well, I don't I don't, don't know. I haven't studied it that close. Well, it's like in, it'd, be, uh, it'd be interesting. So in other words, would a white like mayor would a white mayor be better for Detroit than a black mayor who is trying to keep black Americans in poor neighborhoods because that's their job in the Democrat Party? Well, see here's the thing. Uh, Greg, politics do not develop cities. Private business people develop cities. Well, I know that. And no, well, yeah, but let's, let, listen to where I'm going. 
Oh, okay. No technology firm is going to move to an area where mm-hmm. you don't have a viable workforce, yep. an educated workforce. They're not going to do it. Yep, makes sense. Because they're in the business of educating. Do you remember um, Jack Kemp, remember his empowerment zones? And there was another, who was the, the, the blonde-haired Democrat guy? Uh, Gephardt. Remember him? He did a lot of this. Yeah, um, I know Gephardt and the and the Jack Kemp. He, in the St. Louis, they done some projects working with a lady by the name of Bertha Gilkey. How'd they, how'd they go over? How'd they work? Or did they work? Worked out fine. It okay. worked very well. So what happened to them? They gone. She died. I told her, I said, she should, I told Bert, I said, Bert, you need to go down to Mississippi and sit on your daughter's house, front porch, and watch the world go by because these people are going to put you in your grave. And lo and behold. Wow. Yeah, that's why that's why I like having younger folks on the show because someday, you know, the day's going to come when I want to be sitting on a cruise ship traveling around the world, you know, uh, dancing the night away and not worrying about anything. Um, I can't do this forever, but I can certainly lay the groundwork where a lot of other people can do it and they can lay the groundwork for the next people. And that's, that's really my goal here. You know, it's like we, we were talking about earlier. I forgot to, um, the thought I had, you know, the question is, you know, do you, do you fear death? And it's like, no, I just fear not getting done what I want to get done, <laughs> you know, before I, oh, yeah, before isn't it always the case? I think so. I think, Absolutely. I really think it is it's yeah, always yeah. the case. Yeah, so I, that's why I leave a lot of podcasts behind so people can kind of follow. Let me get back to the question, though, um, that I think that no one's covering. I did an Internet search before the show, and I looked around to see if anybody anywhere internationally included. I went through several pages of, uh, of search engine stuff. to find. This is DuckDuckGo. This isn't Google. To find it, well, of course, I guess they're not that much different now. To find if anybody had talked about the Republicans getting a two-thirds majority. There was nothing, not a single article anywhere. Nobody had mentioned it. Well, they mentioned on the state level because that, that's a little different. You know, but at, at the federal level, at the congressional level, if we have such a big red wave, okay, why did they not try for a two-thirds majority to reverse Brandon? And the only conclusion I could come to is they have no intentions of reversing Brandon because they're part of the coup, and that's what people really need to know. If they had pushed for two-thirds, if they had gotten two-thirds, they would have been able to reverse everything that Brandon did. End inflation. Open the supply lines. Build the wall. Get out of Ukraine. Get the Keystone Pipeline. Open the supply chains. Drill oil in the states, because it's state oil, not federal. They would have been able to do all these things. If they were, but the question is, would they have done it if they had the power? Would the Republicans with a two-thirds... Let me ask another nasty question. Would the Republicans... Given their makeup right now, Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, if they had a two-thirds majority, would they use it? No, because they are part of the problem. So when you really analyze it, mm-hmm. that's what that's what we're doing. You we're know, really analyze uh, it. yeah. You know, you know it, it, people talk big. And you put them on the starting line and say, okay, here's your chance. Nothing happened. <laughs> Not on the show. Great expectations. Yeah. Great expectations out <laughs> of these people you consider as leaders. Like I, told, I think it was you. I told you politicians are leaders. That's balance. No. I, why do you think I went leaders. into uh, – there's a reason I have ne- I've never had any intention of running for office. Never. 
Besides, no, why would I run for office? No, you when you, I can do action radio. Yeah, why would I run for office when I can do action radio? Yeah, there's no reason. No reason at all. So I don't do it. Anyway, it looks like this hour is going to be an open hour too. So I'm looking for more reports, and so we shall we shall see what we can do. Juliet's going to be on hold for a little bit. She's got stuff to take care of. You know, it's funny too. I give you another example. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I give you another example. You ever notice when you when you're talking about telling people, so why don't you open carry? Yeah. Everything gets drops down a notch in enthusiasm about the topic. Mm -hmm. Open carry. I think open carrying is great. Put your gun on your hip. Yeah. Well, actually, what I want to do, I want to look up. Do you remember the movie uh, Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, Kurt Russell? Do you remember that two-gun single-action rig that um, Val Kilmer playing Doc Holliday wore? Two guns and a shoulder holster. Yeah. Yeah. I want, that looked interesting. I was thinking of, of getting either single-action or double-action revolvers of an appropriate barrel length, like five inches or something like that, making my own two-gun rig. I think pretty cool with some speed loaders. So they have to be double action. Maybe I'll do single action. I haven't decided yet. It's kind of cool to learn how to use single action revolvers. For those who don't know what we're talking about, the old guns, you had to cock the hammer before you fired it. That's what a single action revolver is. A double action revolver is you pull the trigger, the hammer pulls back, and it releases. That's the double action. But the point being, I would carry those openly. Then maybe I have a shirt over them so they'd be semi-open. But I certainly would be hiding them. And I have two guns in my immediate reach for in the car, in the store, in the bank, <laughs> in case it's robbed, any number of places. The shopping mall. Yeah. Where are the old oh, gun yeah. that's strapped to the thigh? Yeah. Well, if, it, if it's on your hip, you can retain it. If it's, if it's a two-gun shoulder rig, you can retain it. So part of the problem is people say, well, your gun can get stolen. Oh, really? In a, in a retention holster? I don't think so. I mean, why do police carry your holes? I mean, how many it's times the police, you know, how many times the police get their guns stolen when they're not in a fight? To talk you out of What's that? People can quote crime to talk you out of your rights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we—that's why we challenge these assumptions. You know, assumptions are stronger than truth. I think I, I agree with you that open carry is essential for normalizing the sights of guns on people other than those that work for the government. It's absolutely essential. Nobody questions an FBI agent carrying a gun. We do. <laughs> Nobody questions a police officer carrying a gun. <laughs> we do. Nobody questions that you can't carry a gun at a police station, even though everybody there is carrying a gun. <laughs> we do. <laughs> you know. So, so the idea of normalizing, I think it's critical. Open carry, normalizing the sight of firearms is absolutely critical for freedom. Absolutely. Now, if people don't want to do it, that's fine, too. I mean, I wouldn't force anybody to do it. It's just I wouldn't force anybody to have a gun, you know, because it's a responsibility. But on the other hand, you should. You know, if you can and if you want to, carry openly to normalize the site. Let me go back to my main question because we, we, keep, we keep getting sidetracked. So what is it you, about you the Republican Party? What is it about the Republicans that they refuse to lead? What are they, what, and, yet they, they, and they keep coming back for votes. And like, a, like a abused you know, children who still love their parents, even though they're abusing them, Republican voters come back and go, oh, we'll give you one more chance. Oh, we believe in you. We think we, 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 we want limited government. We want, you know, budget cuts. We want fewer regulations, and yet they don't get them. <laughs> yeah. And they keep coming back, keep coming back for more. And the, the same lies are told. They're telling the lie again. Oh, we're going to be great. When yeah, we get in power, things are going to be different. What's that? The great compromisers. 
Well, they're not it's even a real are. party. They're not even a real party because they don't advocate for themselves. They don't defend themselves. They don't have a program. This commitment, you know, with America compared with Newt Gingrich's contract with America, I compare it to a marriage proposal versus a one-night stand. <laughs> you know, it, that's, that seems to be the most valid. You know, Newt Gingrich's contract with America was a contract. It was a real contract. They had laws proposed. They had laws written. They were ready to go. This commitment to America is, is like the, the, the one-night stand. Oh, I'll promise you anything, you know. Give me what I want. I'll promise you anything, but by the next day, I'm gone. That's what, that's what Kevin McCarthy's commitment to America is. It's worth about the same as a one-night stand proposal as opposed to a marriage proposal, which is an actual contract. I don't see any reason to vote for it them. Kind of remind me of, yeah. It kind of reminds me of someone that's shooting at your head. Mm-hmm. And you want to sit down at a table and say, look, why are you shooting at my head? Just shooting in the knee. Oh, that hurts, though. That sounds very painful. And you can't walk like, oh. Anyway, what was your, what was your example? Everybody's worried about when things, when things start falling out, everybody is, is putting their hands on their head. <clears throat> when they go, down, go sit down with the Democrats, they compromise. They uh, want to be able to come back to their constituents and say, well, we were able to get this. We agreed upon this rather than demanding. Yeah. They never make demands. They never have a policy. They never say, here's the bottom line. We're not going to accept anything less than this. They never fight for their people. It's like they're not even a real party. They're, I don't know. It's like a mostly gentlemen's club, but it's like this genteel club. They're like a tea society. They, they, they sip tea elegantly and talk about how wonderful they are, but nothing ever changes. It's like that scene. Remember Titanic? Uh, Kate Winslet and uh, what's that? The guy with the long name. What's his name? Leo DiCaprio. I watched it a couple of times, but I didn't, I didn't pay too much attention to the credits. Well, the best part of the movie is before the iceberg. The class structure. The difference between the rich and the poor. You know, and the, and the, the character uh, study. I love that movie Titanic, but it's once the iceberg hits, I turn it off because it's a, after that it's just a disaster film. And, and besides, I know how it ends, <laughs> you know. But before it, they have this fabulous scene where Kate Winslet, you know, when um, who speaks with a British accent normally, it's kind of funny when she takes on the American accent, which nobody knows she has a British accent unless you see her interviewed. Anyway, so she's there with Leonardo DiCaprio, and they're at dinner, and he saved her life. That's how he got to go to dinner with the rich people. And, and then she says, you know, and now, and then one of them stands up and says, gentlemen, shall we retire to cigars and brandy? Of course, he doesn't get to go because he's not one of the club, right? And so, so Kate Winslet leans over and said, and this is where they drink brandy and smoke cigars and convince themselves that they are masters of the universe. It's really a good, it's a good line. That's the Republican Party to me. You know, they convince themselves that they're in power. They convince themselves that they're in charge. They convince themselves that they're doing good. They convince themselves that they are a viable party. And then they don't do anything. They're a bunch of hypocrites. That's why Trump is basically a split from the Republicans. He, he registers, he runs on the Republican ticket. He runs on the Republican Party because without the Republican Party, he's not going to get anywhere as an independent. And the Democrats win because they'll, Hillary Clinton will run against some squishy Republican and lose, like McCain and uh, Mitt Romney. That was their job, was to lose. And they'd probably run Jeb Bush, and he would lose, because that's the plan. Democrats are supposed to win. Republicans are supposed to lose. So they can keep in the club, ask for money, 
and not do anything. It's like a weatherman who's always wrong. <laughs> you know, there's no responsibility for what to do. So I just find it fascinating that not one single person has come forward, except me until, until now. And I, I don't know why I didn't think of it sooner. But not one single article, not one single analysis, nothing. The GOP didn't do it themselves. Nobody in the Republican Party, no conservative journalist, nobody from the, the, the Heritage or the Cato or, or, Stan, or the, the, the Hoover Institute, not one single conservative foundation, nobody has come forward and said we should have gone for two-thirds, we should go for a two-thirds majority so we can reverse Brandon. Not one, except here. I find just want that to hold on. Staggering. They just that, want to hold on. Right. Hold on to what though? What are they holding on to? They don't do anything. That should be the theme song. Holding on. Just holding on. Just just sitting here doing nothing. I'm a Republican sitting here doing nothing. They don't stop the national debt. They didn't override and get the Keystone Pipeline. They haven't protested. They haven't shown up at the, at the D.C. Gulag Jail with writs of habeas corpus. They haven't done anything. They still call Brandon, you know, President Biden. That alone is accepting the coup. I wouldn't vote for anybody that says President Biden. Well, they absolutely have to. Well, they create yeah. these conditions, like the Democrats create these conditions, and they use them as campaign talking, like uh, they want more Medicaid. Then Medicare, well, you Medicare, you mm-hmm. like Social Security, you got to work toward that. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. you want to have um, more money for schools. You know, you got black school districts that have more money than white school districts per child. It's never been a money problem. Yeah, all I, of a sudden, I, I didn't all know of that. Sudden, that's Fox News. Yeah, yeah, I yeah all it. of a sudden, that's Fox News. See? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where's the money going? Look at the things that Kanye West is going through. What is he worth, 2 or $3 billion? But yeah. he can't pull, pull away from that crowd that he came up with. They just keep pulling him back. You're supposed to leave them and send them a postcard. You're not supposed to go back in that, into that neighborhood. Send them so a postcard. so he's, he's trying to go back to his neighborhood and, and try and make it better or something? In other words, give back to the community? You cannot do with private money what you cannot do with public money. It's not going to work. So wait a minute. He's trying to donate, you know, X millions of dollars. No, to, you to got those. Food. You got those in those areas in the right. in, in the culture that keep pulling them back. How? How are they doing that? Uh, when he say white, when he say white lives matter, and here they come jumping on, saying it's some once again, it's something wrong with his mind. Yeah. White lives do matter. I'll say it. And I'm white. Not to them. Not to them. Oh, See, he's not black to them either. See, this is where, where race becomes, it's not race. It, it's, 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 it's your, it's, um, it's your personality. It's your character. It's your identity. So race is, you know, in the same way we talked about this earlier with black mayors, how can black mayors ruin lives for, for black citizens if it's a racial thing? Because if it's a racial thing, say, wait a minute, these are, these are my people, you know? They look like me. Therefore, we're going to have a better situation. They don't do that. In fact, the black mayors and the black city councils in black Democrat areas are treating black citizens, you know, the worst possible way with substandard schools, substandard housing, no opportunity, no investment, no businesses coming in or nothing. That has to be by design, but it's not racial. It's an identity thing. Or it's yeah, a power but that's thing. the thing that they kept saying they want it. We want to have our own schools. We want to have our own business. We want to police our own community. 
It don't happen. Yeah. The people that you want to have in these enclaves, these paradigms, they don't want to be there. Yeah. You know, it's like having a wife at home, marrying a wife, and you're scared to go to work because if you go to work, she's going to run away. To me, that would be an advantage. Go ahead, run. (laughs) I never never like to control people. You want to leave? Leave. Yeah. Don't want to hang out with me? Go. No problem. I'll be fine. Yeah, trying to hang, it's just interesting trying to hang on to people like that. It's kind of crazy. That's a whole other show, though. Yeah, but uh, here's the thing, too, the, 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 sort of partially for my theory. I've been saying ever since Brandon took over that the Republicans have not used their Senate majority. There are 50 U.S. senators who are Republicans. There are 48 U.S. senators who are Democrats, and yet the Democrats are the majority party. So then I hear this argument, and Jim Dykes was one. Jim has left us, by the way. Jim won't be on uh, Fridays. He's got uh, other stuff he has to do, which is too bad. I really like having Jim on. Oh, but yeah, he he's said, a good guy. He's, yeah, but here's what he said, though. And he said that, well, Greg, you know that the caucus rule, which the Republicans have agreed to, says that the independents, Bernie Sanders and Senator King, Angus King of Maine, who are registered independent senators, they are not Democrats, they are independents. They have no party affiliation because they, quote, caucus, in other words, talk with the Democrats. They can be counted as Democrats, even though they're not Democrats. That, to me, is insane. So why the Republicans ever put up with a rule that people who, quote, aren't Democrats can be Democrats because they talk to them, that's irrational. That never should have happened. It it's should have always been corrected. yet another excuse. Right. It's a way that the Republicans don't have to take control. So so it's the party of no control. They have no control of themselves. They don't want to take control. They don't want to do anything. They don't want to make a decision. That's the whole point I'm trying to make on this show. So there are 48 Democrat senators, yet they're in the majority. That's crazy. So the first argument is, well, we have to change the rule. But McConnell never did that. He never said that. These arguments, right? Okay. I've listened to these arguments in the black community, and this is how they go. Things are bad. We need to have a black face in high places. Hmm. Okay. You got them. Still complaining. Hmm. Now, when you have a black face like Clarence Thomas, he's an Uncle Tom in a Sambo. Mm-hmm. I heard a Sambo for a while. That's an interesting term. There used to be a restaurant called right. Sambo, I remember in the South. Yeah. What does that mean? Where'd that come from? Yeah. Well, I, I'm, uh, I, don't, I don't know the origins of that Sambo term. means white. Because oh, it does. Huh. Yeah, but okay. But then they got the black faces in the high places. Then mm-hmm. when you bring along with Tim Scott, who's a Republican, he's got black skin. Oh, he's no good. So then what is it? Is it the party? Mm-hmm. You got a white mayor. He's a Democrat. Mm-hmm. They complain about him. Blacks don't get out and vote. It's a shame that you're a city that's 80% black and you got a white mayor. <laughs> what is it with these people? Well, because they don't, they don't see their identity as their race. And this is the big question. What is your identity? Do I identify as a white person? Only when I, I think about to talk about it, but I identify, I identify as an independent, a constitutional independent. That's how I identify in terms of politics. That could be any skin color. It wouldn't matter. I'd still be a constitutional independent. You know, I'm an immigrant because I got you off the boat say- in New York from a foreign country. So I, so I am an immigrant. It's not because of my skin color. It's not because of my, uh, my, my background or heritage. It's because I wasn't born here. 
<laughs> you know, I came from somewhere else. That makes me an immigrant. That's how I identify. So this idea, so the, but, the, but black mayors don't identify as black or they'd be helping black citizens because they would identify by race, but they don't identify by race. They identify by power. And the power in these cities is with the Democrat Party. And the power comes from exploiting people of the same skin color. That's the part I don't understand. Well, you got, you got a city council in Evanston, Illinois, hmm? that's voting reparations for the black citizens of the city. Hmm. Isn't that special? From who? Yeah, who's going to pay? <laughs> it's great to vote reparations, but who's going to foot the bill? You know. Well, let me get back to this argument here with the Senate. So you've got Mitch McConnell, who's absolutely useless, who put forward three really terrible judges, you know, uh, as far as Republicans go. I mean, they're, they're better than the leftists, but no leftist should be on the Supreme Court anyway because they're intellectually incapable of using the Constitution properly. Oh, yeah, I said it. As Mark Levin would say, yeah, I said it. Leftists cannot serve on the Supreme Court because intellectually they're incapable of using the Constitution properly. All right. So given that, you've got Kavanaugh, uh, Barrett, and Gorsuch, all of which refused to take the Texas case, something they were constitutionally mandated to do to uh, decide whether there was fraud in the election. They didn't do it. Okay, so they're a bunch of weenies. But I don't know where I was going with this. I don't know where I got in the Supreme Court. Anyway, let's get back to the You know, you had a good argument yesterday. What was that? When you was laying out a logical point of the word fundamental. I want you to keep keep that word in mind and watch as we go forward how it keeps popping up. Okay. Rather fundamental rather than inalienable. Well, there's a big difference. So let's go over those. I've still got those articles. So let me, but we can just talk about it generally. I just want to finish this one point uh, on the Senate that uh, this is why the Republicans have proven to me that even if they had two-thirds majority, they wouldn't use it. They would find a way to give it away. So there are 50 Republican senators, 48 Democrats. Yes, two, they count as Democrats, even though they're not. So they've wimped out on that. So at the very least, you would have 50 Democrats. Uh, you would have uh, 50 Republicans on one side. You'd have 48 Democrats and two independents on the other side. Well, that's still 50-50. So they should at least have gotten co-chairs of all the committees and equal members on all committees. That would have been better than what they have now. But then they said, well, Kamala Harris breaks you know, breaks a tie. Therefore, the Democrats have the majority. That's not true either. She's not serving in the Senate. She only comes in as a visitor, as a guest to break a tie upon final passage. So anything that happens before final passage, you know, the vice president has nothing to do with in Congress. All the committees, all the hearings, all the votes until final passage and a tie are done with the regular members of the Senate, which are 50 Republicans, 48 Democrats and two independents. So at the very least, they should have had equal committees. Again, Mitch McConnell didn't do that either, and no other Republican called for it. So there again, they had control. They lost it. They could have had majority because they were 50 Republicans. They could have argued for that, canceled the, the caucus rule, or that at least they could have gotten half and half by saying the vice president is not part of the Senate and cannot be counted in terms of a majority party. And they didn't do that either. So that's why I said they give up all control completely. And that's why I think yeah, the vice president is giving an invitation as a guest come in. Yeah, but they shouldn't be counted as part of, as, as the majority for either party. Which would have been interesting if Trump were president, Mike Pence were vice president, and the Republicans had 50 members, the Democrats had 48, and they counted Mike Pence for the Republicans. So, well, we got a majority, <laughs> you know. If it was 50-50 again, they said, well, we've got, we've got the vice president, so therefore we're the majority party. 
but I bet you they wouldn't do that. All right, let's get on to rights again, because I want to let me find these articles again. So for those that weren't here yesterday, first of all, you missed a really great show. Secondly, you can catch it on the podcast. And thirdly, what we did was you talked about the categories of rights. There are rights that come from the government. Those are known as fundamental and human rights. There are rights that come from God, are known as God-given rights. And there are natural rights, which, uh, which uh, you know, uh, are endowed upon you just by the fact that you're born. So those are the natural rights, the rights that, that are assumed to be as a condition of being, you know, born on this planet as a person, not a human, a person. So if you're a person, you're endowed with natural rights. Uh, if, uh, if, if you believe as I do, and Pianchi does, that our rights are God-given, which makes them supreme to any government, those are the two categories. So either natural or God-given, they're pretty much the same thing, but I can see shades of difference on one side. The other side are the government supremacy rights. Fundamental, which means they've, they've been decided on you know, by the government in a democratic fashion that they have awarded. They've, they've determined them to be fundamental themselves, which means they can take them away. And the other one is human rights, which come from the United Nations, which says that uh, rights are based on dignity, that we decide what is a dignified lifestyle, and therefore we'll create rights accordingly, which we will try to impose on the rest of the world. So those are the definitions. So you've got fundamental and, and a human on the government side, national government and world government, and you've got God-given and natural on the person side, the individual rights side. That's kind of how it came down. It's just like the womb. The womb is the place where God does his or her thing. Mm-hmm. That's your micro that's your micro universe. That's where God does his thing mm-hmm. in the creation, nurturing mm-hmm. and bringing forth comes down the umbilical cord. Yeah. A, a great representation of that was the ankh, A N H K, the ankh that mm-hmm. you find in Egyptian culture. It's shaped so, the oval part of it's shaped like the womb. Right. On the left and right, you got where the male and female comes together, and then the long part is the is the fallopian tube where the life comes out of the womb into into the world. So that's an ancient and time. Where is, the, uh, where is it from? Huh? I think it's Egyptian, right? Or where does it come from? It's ancient. Yeah, it's ancient Egyptian. Yeah. Ancient Egyptian. Hmm. Okay, curious. Yeah. Well, I found something. I had an interesting thought, another interesting thought. I have a bunch of uh, what I call my Facebook tweets because Twitter, I, I don't know why people don't follow me on Twitter. I, I tweet out every show. But uh, I thought, I, I wrote this down. I said, if abortion were about reproductive health care, wouldn't there be reproduction? Good point. The way the words are used, you're absolutely right. It would be reproduction, yeah. but it's not. Yeah. So you can't call it reproductive health care. You have to call it unproductive health care. Right? It's about death. You know, birth is at the point where one life is coming and the other one may be sacrificed at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here's another thing I wrote uh, in my Facebook tweets. I said, immigration isn't the issue. That's mind control, so you don't say that a government illegal alien invasion crime wave is the issue. So they keep framing in terms of immigration. Illegal aliens have nothing to do with immigration. Criminal. That's criminal trespass. That's abuse of our system. That's being in a place where they cannot be. 
that burdens every American. But it's not an immigration issue because they're not immigrants. And yet when everybody talks about the border, well, we've got an immigration problem. No, we don't. The immigration system, slow as it is, actually works pretty well. I know. I went through it. I took my test. You know, I did my written test. I did my oral exam. I said that, no, I've never been a member of the yes, Communist Party, yeah. nor do I have any intention of being one. And they said, okay, good. And that was part of the test. It's a requirement for getting in heaven. <laughs> What's that? What's the requirements that must be met to go to heaven? Good question. You just That's can't walk question. up in there. Yeah. You just can't walk up in there, and yeah. you will see. If you go back and look at the judgment scene of in, in ancient Egypt on the tombs, mm-hmm. where the person that's died, he's coming to be judged. His heart is weighed against that of the feather of an ostrich. If your heart is heavier than the feather, up above you got 12 netters. They hold an ox in one hand. If they put the ox up, they say, give him life. That's your judgment. Well, that's like the Roman thumb. Isn't it funny how they got it right 10,000 years ago and can't get it right today? Well, it's interesting. You know, and this is something that's always fascinating me about ancient societies. We all think of these folks as primitive. And the only thing they didn't have was Novocaine for dentistry and a few other things for surgery. But otherwise, as far as uh, intellectual development, they were far more advanced. They didn't have TV, so they actually had time to study things. You know, it's very interesting what we don't have today. Um, you know, that, uh, that were available. But now we have mass media. We have the technology. Yeah, yeah. We have the means to get to people, but the, they're so distracted with other things that they don't actually take advantage of the time they do have and the means and the resources that are available. Yeah, it said that they went to school for 40 years to become a priest. Priest not as in religion, but as have reached their status. Yeah, the Rip Van Winkle. The temples were shaped like a body. What's that again? The temples were shaped like a body in stride. Mm -hmm. In the lower part of the foot, ankle, you learned that part of the body. In the top part of the head, you learned that part of the head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, too. I was just thinking that both the churches and the swords, particularly the crusades, but churches and swords are shaped like a cross. I understand for churches, but what about swords? You find that interesting? Well, yeah, the, the cross part was up at the top, and they brought it down. Okay. It used to indicate peace to the divine spirit. Yeah, but in other words, Christian soldiers. In other words, the sword and the cross are the same shape. I just find that interesting. Yeah, it is. Okay. Right. Let me leave, you, and let me leave my last one. Was not was not constructed that way. It was up at the top, at the apex. It meant peace to the divine spirit. Now it brought it down. It means crucifixion. It means death. Does not the sword bring death? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I remember the the uh, the, the ancient broadswords. They had two cross pieces, just like a cross, and that was designed to bro- to block the the blades. But it didn't cover your whole hand. It only covered you know the the you know 180 degrees. You know, when those crosses, now eventually they went to rapiers and they had whole hand guards and things like that. But it's just interesting that the original swords were shaped like crosses because that was part of Christianity, you know, and it was an interesting part of it. <laughs> Not one of our best parts, but uh, I just find that that interesting. Let me leave you one more quote here. And this is one from my, one of my Facebook memories from about four years ago. I, I, I asked the question, do you carry in church? What better place to celebrate and exercise the God-given right of self 
family and community protection. What do you think? I'll let you think about that one. Well, they should be. Yeah, Judge Roy Bean allowed you. Did you not? He allowed guns in the courtroom. If I'm not mistaken. That's a good question too. Yes, the whole idea of public buildings. I don't believe in exception for public buildings. You know, and the question is, should you be able to carry in court? Well, they say, well, it's too emotional. You know, too many things happen there. Yeah, it's emotional. Okay, so fine. Control those people. Kick them out. You know, the bailiffs have guns. Um, but a police station, should you, can I walk into a police station with a gun? I don't see why not. Or public buildings. Why can't I walk in there with a gun? Either you, we have a presumption of innocence or we don't. If you don't, then do something about it. If you, have a, if you have evidence against somebody or probable cause, do what you want. But don't limit our freedoms just because of what some, some people who are criminals might do. All right, I'm going to leave this question out there. Uh, we're, we're, I'm going to hold it for now. We're going to come back tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's Thursday, 7 o'clock. I have one guest tomorrow. We have a new guest. We're going to talk about uh, a bill. We have a new citizen legislator. Uh, she's a teacher and wants to write a bill mandating video cameras in all classrooms. So that's going to be tomorrow. So new guest, new stuff going on. And I got space for new reports. And it looks like uh, Brianna's going to take the first hour. Brianna Cannon will do our government inf- inquiry report from 7 to 8 Central Time. And Josie Cassie's going to do the Latino report from 8 to 9. And 10 o'clock, uh, 9 to 10 looks open. New schedules all the time. New people, new schedules. People have gone. We're going we're gonna to revolutionize Action Radio once again. Pianchi, closing comments? And then we'll do it again tomorrow. Nothing like a surprise. Okay, I'll surprise you. I, I, I try and keep the surprises coming. We never, you notice we never had the same show title. I've been doing this four years, and I've never repeated a show title. <laughs> that, that's, that, that, I'm kind of curious about that, too. All right. So you want to find us, uh, our main website for legislation is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Back tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock Central. I've got to watch a Zoom presentation of a press conference where they're going to demand that the uh, uh, the mandates end on the military. And, of course, my suggestion was that uh, they should put forward my bill here at Action Radio to uh, put product liability on vaccine makers because I guarantee you, the minute they have product liability, you'll see the most massive recall the world has ever seen uh, to get those vaccines off the shelves because they're not vaccines. And uh, very interesting to see what happens. And, of course, that bill gets rid of the declaration of emergency, and that would help too. So a couple things to play for you, and I will see you all tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed.